Do you want a war you can't win? Are you telling me that 200 men against your boy is a no-win situation for us? You send that many, don't forget one thing. What? A good supply of body bags. <laughs> Hello and welcome to a brand new episode of Fascinated with Films. What's going on, everybody? Yep. How are you? <laughs> That's all you got? <laughs> I'm in vacation mode already. Oh, all right. Awesome, You've already dude. checked out? Yeah, I've checked out. <laughs> You're like, Dave's hey, not I... here, man. Dave's not here, man. <laughs> Dave, yeah, anytime you want to leave, Ninja Dave is ready to go. Nice. Slide out. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Anything interesting happened to anyone? Oh, I went to the book sale this last week. This oh, yeah. DVD, massive DVD sale. How many books have. did you buy? Yeah. <laughs> Zero. Because <laughs> they also have DVDs there. And this is really phenomenal. If you're anywhere in the States or if you're uh, in the East Coast, uh, this is a massive DVD sale that happens twice a year in Gainesville. Yeah, uh, he's like a fisherman giving up his best spot. I know, I guess <laughs> I should. Forget it, forget it. Gainesville, Georgia. Gainesville, Georgia. <laughs> Be there early. <laughs> Be there late. Be there late, yeah. <laughs> oh, I'm in line. I stood in line. Me and uh, my mom stood in line because she's as obsessed with uh, books as I am with movies, and she knows how big of a thing this is. And we've stood in line with people that have come down from, like, North Carolina uh-huh. and everything. And so we stood in line for an hour and a half. Just, it flies by eventually. Uh, yeah, but, I bet. Uh, <laughs> it was down the street. Surrounded by bookworms. Well, yeah. do you know where Friends of the Library is? I yeah. do. We were close to Firestone. That's where the line yeah. went. Wow. It went all the way around and then down That's that That's because some street. crazy people camped out, probably. Yeah. Wow. No, yeah, they had mattresses. And we were like, what are they going to do with their mattresses? I guess they just don't give a shit and they'll just put them to the side and if they're there when they come <laughs> who's gonna steal them but uh that's my yeah book, people that's my there. book line man yeah, right? lose that and i would think that they're crazy but when i went in no they are i found crazy. It, no but when i went to the dvd selection my first six pulls were dvds that should not have been there yeah but when i get there my eyes are like it's, it's almost it's too much to focus yeah yeah and, and so i have to like really look at them and everything but i pulled out black some dvd really, friday <laughs> i pulled out <laughs> peter jackson's dead alive the original uh godzilla brian de palma's fan of Paradise, uh, Dead Heat, uh, Club Paradise was a, a rare one I found, yeah. and Chucky a whole bunch of great stuff. That was a set. It included uh, Chucky 2, 3, Bride of Chucky, and Seed of Chucky. I didn't have Bride and Seed, so I kept that uh, disc and gave Justin the other ones. Hell yes. For our child's I always pop. get about a <laughs> 10 discs every time he goes. Yeah. Hell yeah. We uh, also went and saw Endgame. Yeah. Keep your mouth shut. Yeah. I'm, I'm looking at you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'll just ask you this. You both were... Please. Oh, hell yeah. Dude, it was... It was beyond the, pleased. I'd go see it again in the theater. It, I probably will. Especially since there's not another good movie coming out until the end of May when uh, Godzilla comes out. There literally is crap yeah. for this whole month. So, Robert, gives us opportunity. So, Robert Downey Jr., this isn't a spoiler. He, because uh, I haven't seen it. <laughs> <laughs> he negotiated a back-end deal for his role in this one yeah. where he got a tiny percentage of the revenue. Wow. Well, that's so, gonna he's smart. about to make... More money like than God. 75 yeah. to $100 million yeah. on that alone. Wow. That's and what's insane. great about this movie, because basically they've ended this kind of storyline and everything, but there's so many possibilities with the way they break the timeline all the time. There could be uh, cameos for prequels or cameos for, like, this is them when, uh, a couple of years before uh, this happened. So it was phenomenal. But let me tell you, it what rivaled it, and I won't spend a lot of time on it, but it's something big that's going on right now, was the Game of Thrones episode. Mm-hmm. It was probably the single best episode I've ever seen of any television show ever. Interesting. It was an hour and a half long battle scene. Yeah. It like started and then boom, all the way to the end. Mm-hmm. And I'm 
I'm watching it with my mouth open. My wife's like, man, you're really into this. I said, this is the most incredible thing I've ever seen. Yeah, yeah. shut and up. There's like, yeah, there's like she pretends not to like it, but I, I catch her watching a couple yeah. of scenes here and there. But uh, there's like six different things happening and everything. And there was a point where I had to go to the bathroom. I was like, there's not even a good spot to yeah. uh, pause it, man. I said, and then I paused it yeah. and ran back and just... And unlike Endgame, people were pretty, pretty good with spoilers on Endgame on, mm. the, uh, on social media. Yeah. With... Uh, Game of Thrones, like immediately. Yeah. The the clips of the the major shots are like, and people are liking them and sharing them and everything. I'm like, and I had already seen it because I was smart enough mm-hmm. not to stay away from, it, or I was smart enough to stay away from it. But I saw almost probably thirty or forty blatant spoilers to Game of Thrones within like six hours yeah. of it airing. Wow. When when uh, people were pretty good with some that people game. doesn't I didn't see bother anyone. them that much to see it. They're like, well, I still have to see it. Yeah, I, I, yeah. it's okay if I know. I saw one person give a spoiler for Endgame in like this in the middle of a thread, long thread. But if you're if you're in those threads, you're yeah. gonna be in trouble. Yeah, because people just I waited dance. until after I saw it yeah. to join those. And did you listen to the? Uh, I started to. I, I'm like to maybe forty minutes in. Kevin Smith did a uh, complete spoiler review. He just took you through mm-hmm. the movie and everything, and he cried like four or five times during it. There's video of it too. Oh wow. Uh, you can watch on YouTube. Yeah. Uh but he gets no, it's impressive the how much he gets into that and the well I'm listening to it. And I was like completely, <laughs> I don't know if impressive is the word. Dude, no. No I, man, I, I was completely choked up through the last like fifteen yeah. minutes just hearing him describe it. Uh because he does such a great job of it. If you listen to that, that's why people love movies. Kevin Smith is one of millions of people that get really, really into it, man. Oh, it yeah, affects no, I, him. I can't even lie, like at least three times there were tears rolling down my face. Uh, you know, like I wasn't, the sniff- film? Yeah, yeah, I wasn't sniffling and crying, but like the tears were rolling. No, you know I got I mean? choked like, up during one scene at the end, but that's about it. Yeah. Uh, and uh, yeah, hearing Kevin Smith though, just wants to make you run out and watch it again. So, oh yeah. I, and I, like and I said, I will definitely be going again. I yeah, think. definitely. Okay. That's enough time. Yeah. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> so last week, hopefully everyone enjoyed the character actor pod. I love it, man. We get so many movies we can get out yeah. kind of out there and just talk about specific stuff and those guys that get their due. Next week, we're going to do the character actresses pod, which uh, completely rivals that one because there's so many great. It's weird how you do the the actor one and there's almost like that common thread movie that you see that there's, there's one movie on those lists where like four or five of those actors I have on the list are all on. It's yeah. the same with, thing with the actresses. It mm-hmm. seemed like. I mean, Coen Brothers alone scoop up. Yeah, they grab Giant some market. other people. And, uh, Tarantino the same way. Yeah, I mean, every director has their kind of group of character actors or actresses that they just love to use. I, the, the funny thing is, is the more I, movies I watch on Netflix, I'm starting to see all of the actors from The Wire. Yeah. Make, yeah, yeah. The Wire does go one. a lot. Because they, they all had HBO contracts, too. So a lot of them stuck with HBO. Funk, a lot of them especially, moved Especially, I've seen him in two or three yeah, different things. Yeah, he's great. Friday, Friday, the uh, Ted Bundy movie comes out. Yeah. So oh, really? wherever you are, watch it on Netflix. Nice. I'm uh, not going to be watching television, probably. Be sitting that? by the water, drinking, <laughs> drinking bourbon, probably. There you go. There you go. Well, then you you cap it off with some Ted Bundy when you get home. <laughs> it's it's going to be really good, though. This It's called uh, Extremely Wicked, Something Vile, and it's like a string of adjectives. Huh. Yeah. Uh, he, the trailer looked really good. I mean, Zac Efron's playing uh, Bundy, and I'm not sure who's who else is in the uh, the flick, but Netflix is putting out some good stuff. If you, like, if you like those kind of movies, he was definitely... 
it was a different type of serial killer. Yeah, that leads well to a like, good uh, entertaining film for sure. I'm, I have to imagine I because I've watched his confession tapes and I've watched. They haven't done a Ryder one yet, which I'm surprised. Who the uh, uh, BTK? Oh yeah, Ray, Dennis Raider. Dennis Raider. Yeah. Um, that, well, they they have, will. They have done a bunch of yeah documentaries. Documentaries, and, like and that, yeah. I think they even based a couple of other serial killer movies they, loosely they off of him. Yeah. But not a blatant. This is Raider. Yeah. But he's uh, not charismatic. He's not. But it's, he's next door. But dude it's next fascinating door. for sure. I, that really, dual life. Had a family. To be honest, yeah. with he you, was a deacon of a if, church if and like wa- gave money to charity and did all this. And he had this dark secret that he would just go and fulfill. Yeah. yeah. For whatever, and it would keep him tame for a while. To be honest with you, if you really want to watch the best BTK movie that's not BTK, you go and watch season four of Dexter. That with John Lithgow, yeah. John Lithgow played that character pretty basically. much. Huh. I mean, almost to the T. I think there was that crazy been. scene when he was sitting in the bathtub. With That's all the beginning of the very first episode <laughs> the, uh, of season four. Is probably the most disturbing thing you've ever seen John Lithgow do. Yeah, just pull up the first ten minutes. Yeah, it's very interesting. <laughs> but we will stay off serial killers. Well, maybe we won't because this is some '80s drama on here. <laughs> We're gonna do '80s drama, which is one of the few genres we haven't touched on with, within the '80s too. I got no. And it's killer. really uh, amazing. Uh, some of the fantastic nope. films were from there. What's that? Oh, I said I got no serial killers. Yep, no either. serial killers. Uh, nope. Well. <laughs> I guess it, you could argue that one, maybe. <laughs> I mean, I got one you can argue, but nope. I love the 80s, 70s, 80s, and 90s are my flicks, man. I just love all three of those decades, and they all put out some really great stuff. Uh, and my years kind of jumble around from, like, I think the earliest 80s is 83, but I have two from 89. And I was even telling Dave yesterday, it's like when you when you look back at the 80s, the 89, you're almost out of the 80s already. The fashion, the music, mm-hmm. everything. It's 89, already moved 90, on and 91 all kind of blends yeah. together for 89's me. already moved on to the 90s. They're like... 1981 to like 2017 is all just kind <laughs> of a blur. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's like that with every decade. Like 79 was more closer to the 80s than the uh, 70s, how the style was, certainly with the 90s. But... There's also movies I'll see that are made in 82 and 3 that were really trying to go back to the 70s style. Yeah. Oh, I, yeah. I'm surprised when I, I was like, what was this, 77, 78? And you're like, no, this is 83. It's weird yeah. when you can almost tell by looking at them what decade this movie mm-hmm. was filmed in, you know? And I'm wondering if that's as easy now. Like, I couldn't tell you 2008 compared to 2018. Could you tell by looking at the 2008? Does it have a distinct look between no. the two? I don't I mean, think they do. Somewhat. You know, just as far, well, as far as fashion and as far as like fashion, te- maybe. technology. But then again, fashion is yeah, confusing. And the the cinema, technology the, the that are people are using in in the film themselves. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like the, the characters in the film. Like when I see well, them with true. a BlackBerry, that's I'm like, flip oh, phone. Yeah. that's 2008 yeah. that's BlackBerry. True. And, but when I see them on an iPhone, I'm like, oh, that's it's hard to tell yeah. with fashion these days because they're going back. The 90s are back so hardcore yeah. right now. If you drive through campus, they never left, man. No, I went to they, Midtown. They I went to, <laughs> yeah, not for me. Sure. I went to Midtown last night. You would think the to, 90s um, were going on. This this restaurant, um, one of Maria's um, worker uh, girls she works with graduated. And yeah, it's crazy people are coming in. And, <clears throat> God, I, the high waisted pants. I know I've bitched about this them, before. Man. They're horrible. <laughs> so I mean, if that's if that's what they want to watch, what uh, wear? That's fine. But they'll go out of style God. too. <laughs> that's a trend they could have just stayed where it was. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't like it in the nineties. Well, all right, let's just jump back to the eighties. That 
they did have some good fashion in the 80s. That shows that I lived through it because most people who hadn't would The fashion disagree. was questionable in the 80s. <laughs> I loved it. Oh, my God. And I, I was on a fringe. I was the a jeans fr- look great, you know? Z Cavaricis, man. Tight rolling your pants on the bottom. Yep. Do you ever get good at that? Shit, yeah. I have pictures. Had to have the crease. You had to have the seam coming in. Yeah, it's got to be working in, man. <laughs> I know about that shit. I got pictures on my pictures with me with tight roll jeans on there. Suspenders, remember the, but you didn't wear them up. You wore them down. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. All like that off stuff's great, man. Yeah. And yeah, certainly in a bunch of these, you could see a lot of that stuff. But uh, Oh, hell yeah. All right, Justin, let's start with you. Let's go around this table here. All right. Well, uh, let's start with kind of a feel-good movie. Oh, crap. Uh, <laughs> I know, right? Um, don't worry. It'll get, get it out of the way. It'll get darker from here. <laughs> um, I'm not sure the uh, year here, but it's Field of Dreams, 1989. Field of Dreams. Yeah. You build it. They What's will. That? They if will build come. It. They might come up. They, they might show up. They might. They usually do. <laughs> if you build it and you offer them money, they will show up. Ray Liotta will show up <laughs> in your backyard. That's on his business card right now. Yeah. <laughs> It'll do whatever you want. Oh, that's funny. <laughs> now, this was a movie that I always, I never much cared for. This movie compared to other sports movies, maybe because it was too feel good. It uh-huh. wasn't about baseball, really. Yeah, it was surrounded yeah, around the game of baseball, and you got to see them play a couple pickup games but yeah. it was more about the ass what was it about i mean oh i don't remember i thought you knew. <laughs> no, no i mean what was it trying to so, convey i know what the movie was about so but i mean what was the message kevin was costner, reconnect with his dead yeah dad, kevin costner amazing. played ray and ray it was the black Sox, right um, no oh yeah that, yeah it was um of. right um and his father was the catcher for them and so i guess he was always on the road and stuff like that so they didn't have like he was one of the ones that didn't agree to throw the game either i think or something could have been i'm not positive about that one um yeah, i should have talked about eight men out that would have been a good one too oh yeah that is That's a good one. one i probably get a lot of of this confused with yeah. the, the baseball storyline anyways right well and so it's not the, much of a baseline yeah yeah this is more him like so he's just laying in bed one night you know, and all of a sudden, like, he's got financial problems. Yeah. The farm is closing, you know. Um, oh, what's that guy's name? Who It's his sister's brother. <laughs> yeah, Timothy Busfield. Um, it's, keeps... a, it's filled with a bunch of uh, oh, uh, yeah, great you... people. His wife is, uh, what's her name? There? Amy Madigan. That's Ed Harris's wife in real oh, life. Yeah. They've been married for, like, 30 years. Mm-hmm. Hmm. She um, was also uh, in uh, Carnival. She was the sister the preacher's sister. Mm-hmm. Oh man, she was good in that. Yeah, Ray Liotta's Shoeless Joe Jackson and uh, James Earl Jones. Oh yeah, super kind of famous. Be- yeah, in this movie, um, kind of becomes his like road buddy, um, who also <laughs> reluctantly. He- yeah, but he also <laughs> hears a voice. You yeah, know, so at first does. it says, "If you build it, they will come." So Kevin Costner gets the idea to build a baseball field, and he mows down all of his corn, sinks all the rest of his money into it, and he's like, "Now Lights. what?" Like, could have just made it day games only. Yeah, <laughs> yeah right. Like, <laughs> Uh, um, so he goes on this journey. This like he he's compelled to go is on this journey. Think he's crazy, or does he? Has well, he opened with his wife. He, he has a dream. Like his wife sees he, something. But remember, Timothy Busfield. I don't remember. Is <laughs> Timothy Busfield is her brother? Is her brother? And he wants to sell the farm. He, and he's trying to convince them. You know, if you sell now, I can still get most of your money back. And yeah. and at some point, he was like, you're, you're going to. I mean, he was the voice of reason, though. Yeah. That yeah. was kind of counteracting the 
the dream that what's its name? Yeah, Gosling but it was, was it was there were supernatural events mm-hmm. going on, you know. And so what happens Basically, is Bill Paxton in uh, in frailty, yeah, frailty, except he decided to mow the lawn instead of kill. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> and um, he and like the game would be going on, and and the wife and Kevin Costner would be watching, it, and Tim Busfield's like, "There's nothing here." Yeah, and but you see them throwing baseballs. Right. And the wife sees it too. Wife yeah. sees it. Huh. Yeah, the wife and the she daughter. doesn't see it at first, but then she sees it. Well, yeah. that kind of is what keeps him from getting locked well, up probably. What, well, what <laughs> well, happens, losing well I tell you what, if I try to build a replica par three from Masters from Augusta and Masters out here Tiger Woods and, is and I'm come. out of a job <laughs> and, and my, I, I don't think my wife would let me get too far along on that. <laughs> and she shouldn't, but so um what happens is like the catalyst is is he and his wife both have the same dream of him at like Fenway eating a hot dog tallying the score on the first baseline. Mm. Um and when they both realize they have that same dream, she's like, "Okay, whatever this is, you have to go," you know. And that's when she can see the players and stuff like that. So he James goes, Dale Jones was like a famous writer. Yeah, from the 70s. Writer, from definitely 70s after or, or 60s. Um and like he basically <laughs> he tries to hold him hostage. He puts his hand in yeah. his coat pocket mm-hmm. and like tells him he has a gun. Mm-hmm. Kevin Costner oh, goes yeah. to James yeah. Earl Jones huh. to get him to come with yeah. him, you know. Um, and eventually James Earl Jones like kicks him out. And so he finally is Not about... Not a real gun, is a Clark? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so he finally like... Uh, <laughs> Kevin Costner finally like gives up. And as he's finally getting ready to leave, James Earl Jones walks out into the headlights and he says, go the distance, you know? And like... He did hear this voice and everything like that, you know, and so it, it's it, better. That it's less cheesy than it really sounds. You know, it's it you seemed know. pretty cheesy. I think that's what it, I kind it, of avoided it when I was younger. But I know everyone. Loves it's a it. good-hearted, supernatural feel-good. Yeah, you yeah. know, it was and one of those ones that the it is the, feel-goody. The public loved it immediately. Like, yeah. It's like the natural. Yeah. Or. Uh, Forrest Gump. People well, like right. And then, you know, Plague eventually Timothy yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Eventually Timothy Busfield is standing there and yeah. like he turns around and he's like when did when did those baseball players get there? Yeah, you know, all like, you have yeah. to do is believe, and you see it. Isn't you know, that some yeah. Peter Pan shit or something? Exactly. You know, when they were so like at the I table. said, we'll, we'll start it off. We'll start it off with the feel good before people start dying. <laughs> you got some death day? First blood. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. Hell yes, dude. Johnny Rambo, man. I love one of the most that iconic first blood. Yeah, so one of the most man. iconic. Uh, Figures, probably the first. Oh, yeah, one of the first R-rated movies I ever saw. Really? Because we, uh, Dad rented it on video when it first came out. I remember specifically watching it at the house. We just got our first VCR. I knew nothing about it. We borrowed our uncle's video card to get it, and we got First Blood, Empire Strikes Back, and Superman Two. Oh wow! And I, I remember, remember not knowing that, that I had night. to. I, I remember watching First Blood, not realizing that you had to push stop and then rewind instead of just rewind, and it took like 30 minutes to rewind a tape. Oh, I yeah. I was just going through yeah. it, like, oh, through, the movie, through the movie instead of stopping it That's and letting great. it go quick. You know those VCRs were like 600 bucks? Yeah, they were crazy. Oh, yeah. In like yeah. 1984, Yeah, no, it's like, in, it's like in Scrooged when he gets yeah. the VCR for James, instead you know? Instead of his howl. Yeah. So that was a big deal, man. Yeah. <laughs> VCR. VCR. Tell. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, tell us a little bit about First Blood. Because so, people forget. I mean, first of all, people forget the name. You know, they always just want to call this Rambo. Rambo yeah, instead yeah. of First Blood. So who was the guy from FX, the sheriff? Brian Dennehy. Brian Dennehy. Brian Dennehy. He also had, uh, what's his name from CSI Miami? Uh, redheaded guy. 
uh, Caruso. Caruso. David Caruso oh, that's was right. one of yeah. the yeah. He was kind of like the movie. voice of reason. Yeah. No, he was the asshole. Richard Crenna was. Really? Yeah, yeah. Oh, no. Because uh, when he has him in the jail and like he's like, come on, can't you? They're like going to shave him. Oh, for a split second he was like, but he was all on board to fuck this guy yeah. <laughs> after yeah. that. He was he played an asshole. He was the one that ended up punching him and started a lot of that shit. When oh, the, uh, okay. When he was, Richard Crenna was. Richard Crenna was, was great. His, was he was Troutman, Troutman who played oh, the yeah. only guy that could talk to Rambo. Yeah, so basically it's Johnny Rambo. Is This is post-Vietnam. Yep. I don't know. They didn't say how long. It, he had his jacket on, so it could have yeah. been. It felt like a 70s I, movie a little but bit. I, I think it was 80. I think I think it was present time to when the movie was, and I think the movie was he 83. Was a, he was just a drifter, yeah. sort of. But he just went and through a one. Yeah. He just happened to go through the, the town. town. Was, and the cop was, was like, hey, man, commentary. I'll give you a ride. Yeah. Like, where are you going? I'll give you a ride. He didn't want to get in. He didn't want to get in. Nope. And uh, it just kind of spiraled out of control. I've had there. that happen. You had that happen. <laughs> Cop wanted to give you a ride home. And you well, went. he dropped him to the edge of town. Yeah. And then when Brian and then Denny, he's looking in his mirror, he he's can walking see that around because all he wanted to town. do was get something to eat. Well, he wanted to see his friend first. Yeah, that's and he right. found out his friend had died. Yeah. yeah, and then he was kind of that's what kind of put him in that mood in the mm. first place. Brian Denny, he kind of caught him at the wrong time because he was still mourning the death of his uh, or the death that he just found out about his friend. Yeah, and then yeah, he was just uncooperative and. It was a great social commentary about, you know, you don't know who you're fucking with, yeah. you know? You don't know what the other person has been through. Yep. And, I mean, I, I love the fact when they find out, because they just looked at him as a troubled drifter and everything, and then he starts all the trouble and everything, but then when they find out how many, like, purple hearts Trenton, he has yeah. and yeah. shit like up that. And says, he's a war goddamn warrior. Yeah. <laughs> like, oh, but that scene with the guy uh, in the helicopter. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And uh, for, correct me if I'm wrong, please. But from what I've heard, I heard, heard Sly really did take that fall. Like I don't not think not so. from the top, but from the tree. And I um, maybe for a certain point, but uh, that's kind of a difficult thing to because I think he really did. I think he really did break his rib. Now I could be wrong, yeah, but I think he really did. In the yeah. movie, he had that stick go through his side, right? And he had the uh, stitches. Yeah. The stitches were great. When we were watching this, we were probably. I probably watched ten. this when I was seven or eight. Yeah, I was ten. Uh, yeah, was like you were five. ten. And uh, <laughs> this was big for us because this is our first R-rated movie. But my dad watched it, and my dad knew about it. If there wasn't sex in it, he yeah, didn't really give a, he shit. Didn't give a yeah. shit. Because back then All there the wasn't Vietnam anything. Movies. There was yeah. never anything too violent that was going to be too crazy, unless you were seeking those underground horror movies. Yeah. So if it was like a very well-known movie that wasn't much but that's what we loved i remember back in the day watching oh my god this is the uh, scene where he stitches him up yeah. or this is the scene where he makes the spikes and it goes through the yes. guy's chest man yeah. it was all about those like booby traps really yeah. and it was so i said booby traps that's booby right. traps. <laughs> <laughs> the movie later um the hunted the hunted yeah, very very similar sort of similar yeah. to yeah. this very similar i could see that and i just like the mystery about jungle warfare yeah and person hiding in any was it, there was one scene when you didn't see Stallone at all, right? And then you saw his eyes or something. Oh yeah, there was a he lot was of like those hiding in the mud like or yeah. hiding in the. That might have been in the, uh, number two. Number mm-hmm. two, okay. Because number two, he was in Vietnam and he was really in the shit with that. I, I love in the first or the first Rambo, that first Blood, when the uh, the movie kind of makes a shift once the daytime hits and they bring the weekend warriors in. Yeah, oh, the guys yeah, who were yeah, working yeah, at yeah. like the uh, bring the bazooka. Yeah, bring the bazooka. <laughs> like, what are you guys doing? Yeah. Uh, it was insane. And then it really did go into like three chapters that first yeah, kind of. But then at night, you uh, thought he died when they collapsed the cave thing. But in. then he went into town and he was actually yeah. going onto the uh, the roof of the police station yep. and everything. He got that, up and took that's out where the he power. got that. Uh, like 50 M50, cal. yeah. And he breaks down at the end. They drew first blood. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, and that's 
that's one of my favorite scenes. I was trying to remember the call sign is when it's the night when he's around the campfire and he's kind of like, you know, I, I think he's starting to make some of the traps and he's already killed that hog. Yeah, he's in the cave um, when the fire is burning. Well, is, uh, was it a mine shaft? Was he? Well, in no, it that's like it was a cave entrance. But he had, that's when he shaft. sat. But when he has, fire. but when he has the walkie-talkie, yeah, yeah, yeah. And he's like company leader to Raven. Yeah, company leader. That's where he's know. talking to Trumpman. Yeah. yeah, you know, and that's when he says, like, you know, they drew first blood, not me. Yeah. You know, like and he just said, all I wanted was something to eat. Like, I don't know. I mean, that whole movie is super intense. You know, and, and you can't he, really blame him. I mean, this is some guy who not only was going through PTSD, but then yeah. to, fi- to find out. He, about his friend that just triggered it. He probably was under control uh, that he could just deal with a little bit of that. But it also shows how people... They didn't really know how to treat war veterans yeah, until, well, that was the until thing. recently. Yeah. And even that makes that, no they don't sense. even do it well now, but they didn't do it at all. It, back it made no sense to me back then, too. These guys are willing to give their life so yeah. you don't have to leave the house and fight yeah. uh, for what you and love. Uh, you should be treating the worst, these guys like gold. Yeah, yeah, and the worst part, it was, you know, Viet, it was a lot of poor people yeah. And a lot of black people, Hispanics, that had to go fight this war for us. And then they came back, and people were spitting on them. Yeah. I thought that was disgusting. That's when people are horrible to, like, gold Listen, star families. That's I don't give bullshit There are right some there. soldiers out there that are that just join up so they can kill people. Yeah. There are a oh, certain yeah. group of I'm that. sure they are. But, but for the most part... Even that, you know? Yeah. I mean, you're still, sometimes you're I was going to say, sometimes you need those but people. But you can't blame the soldier. You have to blame yeah. the machine behind yeah. it. Well, dude, and I, you know me, I, I don't do politics, but uh, I actually heard a story yesterday about how military housing across the country, like... The landlords, the military has like a contract with, you know, like a civilian company or whatever. And like soldiers and their families live in just shitholes. Like they should not have to pay over 10,000 houses of, you know, soldiers, families and stuff have like mold and water damage and bugs. And like, you know, it's like, Jesus Christ, these people are like fighting for our fucking country and you're letting them just live in squalor. Like, a huge story about that's as political as I get. It was a huge story that just released about the Gold Star families who are like getting hit hard with this tax uh, thing that's happening, and they're they're getting screwed big time. And you're like, God damn it, man! What's said, the tax? I don't know. Whatever Trump's tax thing is, it's screwing the Gold oh. Star families. A lot of them are uh, having a hard time with it. So I don't know. And the VA's always been kind of shitty to people and stuff. The problem and, with the VA is it can do good. It's just it's just wasteful. Yeah. So I'm really looking forward <laughs> to the new Rambo. Okay. Have you heard about that? Yeah, they don't. You know, there's not much you know about yet, other it's, than a couple images. You know, and it comes I thought he retired year. the character. Well, this he is said gonna, he was going to. <laughs> well, go this is going to be the last Rambo. Like <laughs> that's what that's, he said two Rambos ago. Well, you never know. I mean, there was the last <laughs> Friday Thirteenth, the final chapter, number four. Yeah. Well, 12. there was the last Rocky, and then it became <laughs> Creed. So we'll see if he has like a he must he's in this ever movie. over, man. You know. Yeah. You know what shifts the balance, don't you? Money. No, the last thing I'll tell you when I was a kid, Rambo 2, um, dude, I fell in love with the girl that was in that movie. The Asian girl he saved? Yes. Yeah. Oh my God, dude. Yeah. I had the biggest crush on oh, her. She was when cute. I, was a kid. I love that yeah. movie in general. It was yeah. a really good one. Uh, all right. Well, I'm going to go off the war. I'll get a little more light, but not. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> not as light as Field of Dreams, <laughs> and this is and this was a movie me and my younger brother uh, watched a lot growing up. Me and Dave actually watched it yesterday. Was 1989's Gleaming the Cube? 
Do you remember the skateboard movie, right? Yeah. Really great. It really didn't even have to be a skateboard movie. caper movie with skateboarding. Yeah. I'll remember it as you go through it because I think I've actually watched it like within the last year. I think you either let me borrow it. No, I haven't. I haven't seen it in 20 years until I watched it yesterday. I certainly don't own it. I actually found it on Amazon Prime and I was like, okay, well, maybe I'm mistaken then. Uh, And so Gleam in the Cube. He was he was super young in this movie, uh, Christian Slater. So you got Christian Slater, you got Stephen Bauer who played uh, Tony Montana's like best friend in Scarface. Yeah, He's yeah, done yeah. a lot of stuff since then. You get the guy from uh, uh, Maniac Cop. Yeah, uh, the guy? redhead guy from Rush. The redheaded guy from Rush. Oh yeah, yeah. He he played a lot of weird different characters back in the day. He was one of the skateboarders. What was great about this is actually had Tony Hawk in the movie in speaking role yeah. and uh, Tommy Guerrero, who's also a famous Hell yeah. ass skater. So in. Those are the two biggies. There was probably 20 other skaters they had in this movie, so much so that we had looked it up, and they let the skaters do the second unit, like, shooting, because it was so uh, great with them to uh, to just film They were the on their on boards the bike, with the camera, the filming boards. someone next to them on their boards. Yeah, that's So they awesome. got major cred. This was a big movie in the... Uh, Kind of the skateboarding idea. community, man. Yeah. Yep. And this was big when Thrasher Magazine was out. My mm-hmm. brother was, uh, Matt was super into all that stuff at, back then. So it was kind of popular with us. But it was a good <laughs> story in between that. So what you have is you got Christian Slater who has an adopted brother. Uh, this Was he Korean? No, Vietnamese. Vietnamese. He was Vietnamese. And he worked at this video store, and what happens is his brother finds something out that he shouldn't be finding out. It was like an error in the books where he found out something weighed more than it did, and he got really uh, interested in figuring it out because he thought his boss would be happy with him, not knowing that his boss is involved in some shady shit. Someone's cooking the books. Someone's cooking the books, basically, and he goes to the warehouse, and he gets caught at the warehouse. And they bring him back to the hotel, and the guy who plays Rain from uh, Big Trouble in Little China, mm-hmm. one of the storms, yeah. is uh, kind of the one of the villains in this movie. And so they bring him back to this hotel, and they are like beating the shit out of him, and uh, they, choking him. they're choking him, and they want to know what he knows and everything. And he's like, "I don't know shit." And he goes, uh, one of the main guys uh, that's kind of behind this whole shadiness, this uh, white guy who looks just like Carl Malden, but everyone's seen him in movies growing up. He was the guy from, uh, I don't know how well you know, Seinfeld. He was uh, George's boss at yeah. the Yankees. That was the in-between between him and uh, Between him Steinbrenner. and Steinbrenner? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> the, George, the George white, come in The here. white-haired guy that always was talking to him. Yeah. And... Uh, so he goes outside to talk to his boss, and the boss is like, this is a good kid, man. We can trust him. I'll explain it to him. When they open the door, Reigns killed him accidentally. Oh, wow. <laughs> it chokes him to death. So then they end up hanging him from the uh, from his neck at the hotel. And oh, just, wow. hey, people think he had a suicide. <clears throat> well, Christian Slater finds out. He realized, well, this is bullshit. This is not a suicide. I know my brother. He wouldn't do this. So basically he takes on this task of figuring out... <clears throat> Who killed my brother? What's behind this? He finds little clues here and there. He's got a connection with Steve or Stephen Bauer at the police station, so he's feeding him information and everything. This is a really, really fun movie, man. And a lot of great skateboarding stuff. Some stunts that you have not seen before and stunts that you're like, I wonder. Christian Slater, he did a... Kind of made a, his career. I mean, well, he did a bunch of his own skateboarding. He too. did. He was, uh, I don't know if it was Tony and Tommy who trained him, but there was two skateboarders that actually... Uh, came on and uh, showed him different th- stuff to do, and he, he got pretty good at it for a while there. <laughs> that'd, be, that'd be pretty cool to be like, oh, okay, that's cool. Where'd you learn how to skateboard? Uh, Tony Hawk taught yeah. me. What? 
<laughs> the movie you. was made for $10 million, <coughs> and yeah. it made two made point two five or something. So yeah. it was a big, big-ass flop. But it was great for us back in the day who mm. loved that type of thing. We were making fun of it yesterday. We are like, what does Gleaming the Cube mean? I was like, it sounds oddly sexual. It says, it just means does that sound like eating the box? Yeah. And then <laughs> Dave looked it up, and he was like, nobody knows what this term is. This term really? means nothing. Even Tony Hawk was like, I don't know what the hell that means. Interesting. So See, they I... literally just came up with a term, and they're calling it Gleaming the Cube. So I was, me and S- Dave were having a fun time watching Somebody <laughs> somebody posed a theory that it might be like be, like an analogy to being on the edge. That's what like I was saying, like grinding. Cube, yeah, like I was thinking grinding. like grinding like a pool or something, <laughs> no. like doing the full edge on a pool. That's what we thought. Then I'm looking at it and I'm watching it with Dave. I'm like, I think this is when they're going to gleam the cube. They're going to gleam the cube any second now. And yeah, I, I mean, to the to point me, where I was like, let me know when you think they've gleamed the cube. Yeah, that <laughs> when would, you're polishing your Nintendo system. <laughs> right. Yeah. To, to me, it would have to be like some special <laughs> move that you did at the end to like save somebody. Like, oh my God, he's going to gleam the cube. <laughs> I'm totally like, going to. No. Work that into my vernacular now to something. Oh yeah, at the house. we need to do that, honey. Like, we need the, to go in there the and five, leave the cube. Yeah. <laughs> the five finger heart t- stop. T- <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but it was fun, man. It was a really good one to revisit. So Hell yeah, check it out. All right, so uh, this one. <laughs> It's going to be stuck in your head for a week. Oh, crap. Probably not. La, 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 bamba. <laughs> no, it won't. Yeah. <laughs> my, my head loves you, me. Yeah, you, my yeah. head would never do that to me. Yeah. I mean, that was like the only good song, wasn't it? He, I guess he did a lot of love songs. Love and, songs and yeah, stuff, stuff like that. Like so this that. is, uh, you're talking the Richie Valley, Blue Diamond Phillips yeah. kind of thing. Now, uh, arguably, Balance. I don't know. I've definitely seen this movie. I haven't seen it in a long time. I know more about the tragic kind of death that killed yeah. him yeah like, was it Waylon Jennings other... that was too sick to get on the plane <clears throat> maybe so they gave him the tour bus well who, let's mention who was on it so Buddy Holly was on the Buddy flight Holly. the big bopper the big bopper yep yeah uh, Richie Valley and damn I can't remember the other couple guys it's, that were on there but um, they were all big but there no women none, none of the women were on there I don't think so they I were just trying so to puddle jump to the next city yeah and God, Buddy Holly, not anything against Richie Valley, but man, Buddy Holly was a fucking loss <laughs> on that plane. Uh, Big Bopper. And they all were, man. Too, but I love so. Chantilly Lace by Big Bopper. No, see, did, no, no the Fats Domino <laughs> did the twist. He did the twist. Did yeah, the twist. okay. Yeah. Big Bopper was the white guy. Big white guy. Like the way he you was played. Look, like you know the, the guy you that. Talk, uh, like the way you. Yeah, like yeah, the way yeah. You, look. you know the guy from uh, the Ernest movies, the big fat guy who yeah. played the cook. He's yeah. he played him in one of the movies. It might have been La Bamba. Then again, I think he actually was because I'm a huge fan of the Buddy Holly story, which yeah. was the Gary which is Busey, Gary Busey one. one. Oh. Actually, I found at the DVD uh, sale this weekend, and I think that's who played the big bopper in that movie. I'm not sure who played him in La Bamba. You know who played um, Richie Valens' agent? No. Your boy Joey Pants. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. That's interesting. Who else we got in this movie? Um, Elizabeth Pena. Yeah, I love Elizabeth Pena, man. Uh, she was great in uh, Jacob's Ladder. So I, I might say his first name incorrectly, Isai Morales. Um, he played... Uh, Morales. Yeah, he played uh, uh, <laughs> Richie Valens' brother. Oh, okay. Yeah, um, let me see. And he was a good character in that movie. He, hmm. You know, he, he kind of had... So, all right. The movie is basically Richie Valens's. How old was he supposed to be when he died? He was supposed to be young, right? Oh no, I think he was like mid twenties. Really? I think yeah, so. He was pretty young. I, and yeah, I'm not positive, but it was this movie is basically his rise to fame and his yeah. death. Um, and it really is paired well with that Buddy Holly uh, movie specifically because of what they all right, all yeah, went through. Yeah, that would actually be a great movie, like 
leading up to all of them, like having separate stories of yeah. all of them going to the plane. You're still like, into the Marvel universe there. Oh, no, yeah, no, actually, yeah. But that would be pretty cool. But, but their end game would be the plane ride. Yeah, absolute <laughs> end game. Like, um, and too soon, so, too soon. Yeah, yeah. so many, it's weird that small planes take a lot it. of like random celebrities. Yeah. The yeah. one of the weirdest one was that Payne Stewart, yeah. that golf. Oh, the Payne Stewart one was harsh, man. They lost cabin pressure mm-hmm. at like, 25,000 feet, mm-hmm. but then the plane, everybody probably asphyxiated and died, but oh, then the plane right. flew Leveled for another, out. like, two and a half hours. Yeah. That's like, on I autopilot. Yeah, I remember. Or uh, Aaliyah in the 90s. Yeah, Aaliyah. I remember where I was. I was yeah. at Media Play. Oh, right really? Right when I uh, came across. Uh, Brian Setzer was in this. Oh, yeah? <laughs> Brian Setzer Orchestra? Orchestra? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, um, yeah, so it's basically his life and his family dynamic um, and, you know, the girl that he falls in love with. and um, Tragic, man. Yeah, it's no, tragic it's tragic, but it's also, again, it's a beautiful story. Did he story. have any demons or was it just bla- basically he was a decent dude that everything yeah, kind of And he had, a, he had just made it, right? Like yeah, he, he was just starting to kind of he didn't get have, big. But he didn't have drug problems or anything like no, that. I don't no, think but so. see, his brother did. His brother did, yeah. And so it's the always more... the brother. <laughs> <laughs> so you, wait you don't know, a minute. We have another brother. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> He's not in the room. Me too. Yeah. Me too. But yeah, and so the thing is, is like their dynamic is that the more successful he gets, the more resentful his brother gets. Oh, so there's a lot of animosity. And they, they end up getting into a big, big fight, you know, and then he goes and he gets on the plane and the plane crashes and that's Oops. where they have that's where they have that, you know, like iconic scene of him screaming Richie and like he's holding the bottle and he's drunk and like Do we know the know. details behind the plane crash? I'm not sure I do. Um of the fact that it went down and killed everybody. I don't it was know. a bad storm. Oh, was it? Yeah. Oh, really? Shouldn't have flown type of uh, situation. I, I think <laughs> I'm kind of concerned about myself. That's why I want to knock down a couple more of these. Yeah. <laughs> that Walter Mitty scene. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, oh, but I mean, you know, it was a great movie. Um, I haven't seen it in a long time, but it's memorable. Yeah. You know, it, oh, it's yeah, they really used to memorable. Play it a lot. Back in the day, I loved it. And it certainly made Lou Diamond Phillips' career. Oh, yeah. I mean, he went on from that to do Young Guns and then. The first power. And the first power. You went right there. And, and he recently so did. Nice uh, he recently did Brooklyn Nine Nine. Oh really? Yeah. He had like a five. How do you look? He looked good. Dude, he was kind of bulked up. Yeah. Like he played a, a little puffy. No, <laughs> no, no, like Jack. Yeah, yeah, no. He um he I played loved him in the big hit. Um, God, that was good. He was so fucking. I liked funny. him in um the bank robbery one. The bank robbery. Oh, the disorganized, disorganized crime. crime. Yeah. Do you remember the big hit with Mark Wahlberg? How absolutely ridiculous and silly it was? Sort of. It was kind so of. ridiculous. Remember him drinking the tea outside? It was it was almost hot shots ridiculous, but uh-huh. not quite there yet. Uh-huh. But it was very silly. Like you had to really be into that kind of comedy. Yeah, he plays um, like the head of a prison gang in Brooklyn Nine Nine. Really? So you know he's kind of bulked up. Twenty four too. You know, and he's he does the prisoner role well, but he you know because it's a comedy show. Yeah. He also does some comedy, yeah. and it's you know he he's does, funny. Man. Yeah, he does comedy good. really well. I've always been a fan of his. Yeah. It's good he's doing TV now. Though. Yeah. All right, Dave. What you got? I don't know if this won an Oscar, but I la 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 think la it la did. la bamba. Sorry, I couldn't help it. <laughs> <laughs> He's gonna force it into your brain if it no. doesn't. Start nope, don't hear it. He's gonna text me on vacation. Just <laughs> nope. Um, it does go with the beach well. Though. Rain Man. Oh, great! Rain movie. Man definitely won. Super he, glad uh, you brought this one. Dustin Hoffman won the Oscar for this. It I might have won might. Best Picture. I, I have to look it up. I think it. I think it ran a whole bunch of Oscars. To be honest with you. 
Yeah, great movie. Uh, one though. of Tom Cruise's best roles, I think. Certainly, one of them. I think one Dustin, of Dustin Hoffman's. I think too. Dustin Hoffman's best role, in my opinion. I mean, this he had to go places he never certainly had went. Yeah, gotta watch Wapner. Three o'clock. Gotta watch oh Wapner. Oh my god! It, it shed light on kind of he had he had an extreme. If he was, out, sucks. <laughs> if he was on the spectrum, I mean, he was certainly all the way to the right because yeah. uh, he he showed some serious serious issues where he couldn't travel and he couldn't uh, function uh, without certain ways. I love his little quirks and everything, but Tom Cruise was. His arc was great in this yeah. movie because he's a scumbag. Yeah, yeah oh, absolutely. Yeah. He was trying to get control of the, some of the inheritance. He yeah. wanted to be a Lamborghini dealer, right? So much so or he Ferrari. pissed off his Italian uh, Pee Wee Herman's uh, girlfriend. Yeah, <laughs> the Italian girl. Yeah, uh, Valerie. Damn, I can't remember her last name. Start with a G. She was great back then too. Remember how big she was? Yep. In a lot of flicks. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But it was a road movie. Yeah. Sort of. Like he. Uh, but obviously, I my favorite scene is the diner scene when he drops the oh, toothpicks. 247 oh, toothpicks. 247. Yeah. 247. Man, that's when Tom Brent, uh, Tom, uh, <laughs> he's the scumbag that he is. Movie. Yeah. <laughs> he's like, you know what I could use this for? So just to cut in here. So it won Best Picture. It won Best Actor for Dustin Hoffman. It won Best Director for Barry Levinson. And wow. it won Best Screenplay. Wow. Um, that's a clean yeah. sweep. So yeah, here. he goes to pick up um, Tom Cruise goes to pick up Dustin Hoffman at the hospital where he lives because in order for him to be able to gain control, he has to have him sign paperwork in L.A. So like, yeah. I don't know if they're in New York, but it's like cross country, and he has to get him there because yeah. he won't fly on a plane. Um, don't you pay for your lawyers Andy, to get on their plane and come yeah, to you? Yeah. <laughs> the, the doctors were sketchy about him doing this and yeah. everything, but he get, he's my brother, man. I want to yeah. be with my brother, and he could give a shit about him at right. this point, yeah. too. I mean, he grows he to let me really, drive in the driveway. It became very yeah. sentimental, and it <laughs> was very sad at the end where he had to put him on the train, he had to send him off and everything. You were thinking that he was going to kind of live with him and everything, but after he, like, was he burning toast or burning the waffle yeah, or something yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and at the house? And, and he, he realized, kept hitting himself yeah, in the head realized, and screaming. Well, then that was an interesting moment in the movie because you realized what what the trigger was that too because remember he got hit as a kid no it's uh something happened to him maybe in the the tub oh yeah tom cruise was in the hot water burn baby yeah in the hot water yeah Yeah. and he didn't realize that and that's kind of when he realized like oh shit you know yeah Um, he's a danger to himself well no he also realized kind of stuff about his brother he found out what could have caused a lot of his kind of issues yeah you know and he's like i'm the baby ray yeah yeah, I'm the baby. Yeah, yeah, you know, hey, <laughs> like, so good, man. Just doing that type of voice oh. and everything—it was really, it's, really. It's you. It's you hard to. Like it's hard to do. Issue, it's hard to do yeah. that and not seem patronizing. Yeah, yeah. or so, or seem extremely fake. Right. That's what know? I mean. Like patronizing. The, yeah, I, I think he pulled it doing off someone a disservice. Like mm-hmm. I don't think he did that with that role. I think he Sean represented. Penn tried it. to do it and nearly wrecked his career. <laughs> <laughs> Does not, but definitely deserve the Oscar for it. Yeah, but I mean, and you, I, I have to talk about the scene where they go to Vegas. Vegas. I, I just mean, love that scene when they're coming down the elevator. Oh, we're in the so cool, suits dude. And they got that so great cool. music playing. Yeah. It was really one of Barry Levinson's. We're best counting things. cards. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh God. So yeah, great. he cleans house because they something happens where they lose their money. Um, for some reason or another, they 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 have financial trouble, or oh, yeah, or the car the breaks. Cars, I think his his business partner was going to screw him, wasn't it? He had he was going to lose the deposit that he put down on the Lamborghinis. He was yeah. trying to bring a bunch of sports cars into the country, yeah. and he had to get he had people ready to buy them, 
and he had like a hundred thousand dollars worth of like down payments, mm-hmm. and he but he didn't have the money to get the vehicles here, right? So he had to earn that money from the casino. Yeah. Oh. Barry Levinson had a good scene in the movie too. Did he? he played the lawyer at the end that oh, was yeah, 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 yeah. Inter- interviewing Dustin Hoffman, and it just wasn't going. You want to well. go here? Or you want to go home? Yeah. And Barry Levinson want to go with Ray? You want to go home? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was good. All right, my next movie. This was a huge movie at the time, and it was a big, big movie for Ron Howard because he had uh, he had already done Night Shift and a couple small Corman movies and everything, but he really kind of branched out when he did 1985's Cocoon. Yes! Love Cocoon. <laughs> Apparently, Justin loves Cocoon, too. <laughs> or also. <laughs> I also love Cocoon. The yeah. But that first one, I love that first Cocoon, man. They put some of the best old actors yeah. in there. Brian fucking Dennehy yeah. all over again. Yeah. Well, yes. well, he wasn't quite old at that point. He's not on my list. <laughs> Damn it. But uh, <clears throat> you have the great... Uh, Don Amici, who won an Oscar for this yeah. uh, movie. And Wilford Brimley. Wilford Brimley was great. <laughs> Hume Cronin was great. And All then I that... think of is oatmeal and diabetes. No. With I, always think of, I always I think, think of, of the thing, man. Chun's got your number. <laughs> yeah, oh, Remo Williams. Remo Williams. Yeah. He's, the, he's the guy. I keep this pill right here in my pocket. Oh, wow. He was really great in that. I loved him in The Thing when I think the of thing? Wilford Brimley. Yeah. Oh, wow, yeah. I'll kill you. <laughs> has that little pea shooter he's shooting at him. Man, but uh, yeah, Hume Cronin was great in this movie. Who his wife was also in the movie, Jessica yep. Tandy. I was just about to ask and, if she uh, was in it. Yep, they uh, Johnny Dangerously's mom was in the movie. She you was the one the who goot? was married to. Um, yeah, I haven't got to the goot. I work up to the goot. <laughs> Save the best for last. <laughs> yeah, uh, Johnny Dangerously's mother played Wilfred Brimley's wife in the mm-hmm. movie, and uh, obviously Dennehy and uh, the the cute little brunette. I don't know who. I don't know oh. if she ever went on to do anything, but she was really great in this too. It uh, and then obviously the the goot who owned his own kind of uh, dive boat. His like dive boat, and he would take people out, and he'd get in arguments with them and everything. He wasn't really great at what he was doing. But then he got an offer by Dennehy and uh, his crew that he couldn't turn down. A whole shitload of uh, money to take him out in the middle of the ocean, not realizing it was a recovery. It was a kind of a recovery thing where Brian Dennehy and his crew are all aliens and they're going to the middle of the ocean to pull out these huge cocoons or uh, pods and they bring them back. They give, uh, uh, Steve Gutenberg a lot of money and they they go out a couple more times with him. They hide uh, him in like a pool. They hide him in the nursing home, in the retirement home. It's like a shut down area where, before the pods were even there, this was a place that Wilford Brimley, Hume Cronin, and, and Don Amici all went to go swimming. Tawny Welch. Uh, yeah, see, Kitty. I definitely don't remember nope. her, uh, yeah. what else she had done. But So what's happening in this movie is these old guys are breaking into the pool, and they realize someone stuck these pods in their pool, and they were like, screw it, we'll still swim with them. Well, what's happening is just swimming with these alien pods is giving them almost like... You- Youth. Vitality. Vitality and youth. Right. And I love how they show it in different scenes. You know, obviously you got the scene where where they're getting a little randy with their wives now and their lives are like... they were probably way beyond that uh, period of their life where they ever thought yeah. they were going to uh, get like Randy several times a day with their wives. Who was the guy with the glasses and like the one was, who didn't want to do he it? He was very Woody Allen like. Yeah, yeah, but he was the one that didn't want to do it. That was so sad, man. Oh, oh yeah, God, there was oh. some sad stuff because yeah. his, his, his wife died and he carries him and into he, the pool thinking that it's still going to work yeah. for him. And it wouldn't work at that point. They'd already and he was the number two. They yeah. worked him in the yeah. number two. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, this is a super super hard movie. This is not on any single platform. No uh, shit out there. I and I went to YouTube. Goots you holding up for some of that big yeah. dollar bills. Yeah. Well, you can't even find it on YouTube. I started watching one, and I was like, 
I was five minutes into it, and I was like, I don't remember it starting like this. And I saw the kid, the kid from Daryl, mm-hmm. who played like the grandson mm-hmm. in this. And when I'm watching it, I, he's like 13, and I was like, wait, he was a lot younger in Cocoon. I think I'm watching Cocoon the Return. <laughs> and, oh, I wow. up, and I was. So that one is available uh, on YouTube. But the first one is super hard to find, man. But I, I love the, I can't remember, is the scene where they play basketball in the first one or the second one? Oh, I don't remember. Where they I schooled the those guys, man. I think it's the first I, one. I think it's the second one. Even when one. they were racing, man when they were racing across the park and jumping over the mm-hmm. park benches and everything i love the idea that they were like thrilled uh but i also like how gutenberg found out what happened remember he's on the boat and he he's kind of peeking at the uh the brunette girl she's gonna change in front of him and she That's does right. she takes her she takes her clothes her off and gutenberg's off. like peeping and then all of a sudden she doesn't stop at her clothes yeah <laughs> she peels her skin off and he freaks out and screams and yeah. they have to like calm goot down and remember brian denny he lowers his eyelid he pulls his eyelid down yeah. and the light kind of shines through and he's like holy shit these are aliens yeah and they're like just complete light beings yeah like and so it's really cool once they're on board and i love the whole scene where they decide the the aliens are like <coughs> you know we're uh we have no problem bringing people back to our planet if you'd like to come yeah and all the old people are like shit yeah That's we're cool. going man yeah. and remember the kid jumps off and gets on board and they have to like, get the, they have to get the kid off he kind of screws yeah. it up but it, it set up a really good one for number two number two wasn't quite as good but it was still pretty good yeah because remember they had the scene where they had to break into the factory and there was a whole bunch of cool stuff happened in that Wasn't there like one. an arm wrestling back. scene or something like that in um, one of them i'd have to rewatch it to know it, it it sounds like that would be a smart play for the movie yeah, because I don't, maybe it's I'm, easy to simulate. Yeah, well, yeah, right? yeah. I, I love the idea that they. <laughs> I'm had. losing. I'm losing. Yeah. <laughs> it was just fun, you know, when you can have that block in the middle of the movie once they've established they have vitality. That montage. You know, I could just see Ron Howard saying, "All right, we want one of them to be having a lot of sex. We want all of them to be running like crazy." Yeah, and then. The, I love the idea that they have one friend that won't go in the water. He won't do it, and then it's too late to get his wife back. Yeah, it's sad, but it's great. Yeah, yeah. 1985's Cocoon. All Good right, movie. Justin, what you got? All right, uh, 1981 on Golden Pond. This was a movie that both me and Dave were familiar with because our mom loved yeah. it. Mm-hmm. Super fan. Of this movie. I actually, and Dad, I think. Yeah. And I know why you like it, but well, yeah, yeah. But you know, the funny thing is, is I actually just saw it for the first time, like maybe three or four really? years ago. Really? Yeah, I, I had never had you even, known about it. You'd, never even you didn't about know it. about yeah. Walter or any. It's of that. not no, a ton of fishing in it. Yeah, you. No, I mean there is. There's, There's a, a lot of. I mean they're, they're on the pond. They're, they're on the lake, fishing. and he's go, wa- walking to go fishing or coming back from fishing. Well, this was another one that took away uh, some major Oscars. I think it won for both of them, the oh, father sure and the daughter, did. because you've got Henry Fonda. Who was really long One of the, the last things this, that he, he was did. really long in the tooth at this point. Yeah. Uh, Jane Fonda, still pretty young. Mm-hmm. Let me look up the awards. Go yeah. ahead. Um, and so, so, yeah, so it's basically the story of a family who there's been damage to their relationships, um, you know, and Jane Fonda is the daughter of Henry Fonda. How fitting. Um, and. She wants to kind of repair her relationship with him, and at the same time, she brings her son. Um, and I'm because I'm not sure which what the son's character's name was, um, but her. Go ahead. So this uh, this won best leading actor for Henry Fonda, best leading actress for Catherine Hepburn, and then the best screenplay. Oh wow! Yeah. Jane Fonda was nominated though. Oh okay. 
Um, and so also it's the relationship. So she ends up leaving um, and leaving her son there. Mm-hmm. And, you know, her son... kind of bond with Grandpa. Yeah, exactly. Um, and he has a great time. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, not so, at first. Well, like, he's kind of cantankerous yeah. at first, but he kind of warms up. But that, up. Air, that the way the... the the look to the movie and oh, the yeah. location and everything reminded me a lot of going to New Hampshire. Yeah, it's very New Hampshire. I don't know where it was uh, filmed. Let me check that. Like I, loons. I, just, I have to say, oh, I'm sorry. Uh, no, go ahead. I have to say real quick that uh, cantankerous is a great word because in the description here, it literally says cantankerous retiree <laughs> oh, Norman Thayer. Yeah. <laughs> Another funny thing, it was filmed entirely in New Hampshire. Oh, yeah. Oh, really? Yeah. So It's supposed to be in Maine. What, uh, Lake Winnipesaukee? Lake Winnipesaukee. Yeah, that's oh, really? where we were. Yeah. Interesting. I wonder why it looks so familiar. Yeah. <laughs> it's beautiful in the in the oh, fall New when Hampshire's the leaves awesome, change. Man. Oh yeah, I've the always water, wanted to go and see. You'll that. go out there sometimes, and the water look like glass. It look like a sheet of glass. Yeah. Yeah. There'll be no wind. That's the one like place in New England I will recommend anyone to go is New Hampshire. Yeah. Yeah. That Maine's trip, a lot of times pretty cold. No, but times, here's but what you do: you go to New Hampshire, and then you go up the coast of Maine. You really like, could. The coast of Maine of is beautiful. Mm-hmm. The interior is just. Is nowhere land, yeah. But yeah, yeah, it's nice. But yeah, um, so there's some fishing, you know, yeah. and that's how the. Uh, do you ever do that yeah. kind of fishing? The light tackle, uh, light. That was well, growing up. Um, that was my father's favorite thing. He liked. He yeah. had those little Fenwick reels that you could hold with your pinky, right? The way like three ounces. Yeah. He'd use like very low test, yeah. and he'd use those little tiny eagle claw hooks, and he would just he try to catch these giant fish. On these tiny poles, right? Yeah, he loved earthworms. Those were his go-to for sure. He loved that, and he, he loved, he loved he had, trout. Yeah, it was his favorite thing to catch. Yeah, I agree with that. It was I the best so. thing to eat. I like catching opinion. even the sea trout. Oh yeah, oh, I love trout. Trout's trout my favorite. Caught some the other day. Well, one was like twenty-two inches. If yeah. I know yeah. someone's going trout fishing where there's a lot of trout, I'll totally go. Yeah, because it's just it's crazy. <clears throat> so yeah, Dave. The, <laughs> I, I, I would take everybody out fishing anytime I could. I just have to get that boat fixed. Yeah, yeah, we got to rent. We got to rent with one. you. That's what we got to do. We, we have to. We got to go in. On I it. looked. So I'm going on vacation. I bring in my poles to do some nice. fishing because oh, nice. we're literally twenty feet from the harbor. Hell yeah, that's great, dude. On a Airbnb that yeah. we rented, um, but I looked for offshore fishing charters, mm-hmm. and five fifty is the cheapest I could find. Really, for a day. So I found one. Too it's much. only it's only four hours, but you know maybe five. Um, but it's a hundred bucks a person. Really? Yeah. Um, this, I didn't no see matter any. how many people you go. I mean, I mean, yeah. I think it's up to like five or six okay. people. He's got he's got one hundred dollars like, per person. Yeah. So if the three of us wanted, it'd be three hundred bucks. Yeah. See, I want to go with a guide. Yeah. Because that's, that's, that's what he is. Now I've spot, went yeah. with a couple people that knew Steen Hatchet pretty well, but I've never went with a guide. Well, he's in Cedar like, Key. Okay. Um. Yeah, it's Captain Dan. Captain Dan. Um. And uh, yeah, no, he took me out Monday, and dude, I mean, it was great for hundred bucks for four hours. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Well, that um, hasn't even sounded like covered enough of gas. I think that's probably all I covered. Yeah. You know. <laughs> You don't um, see your key, man. Yeah, they're, I mean, he was doing that to me for a favor. His minimum there. is 200. His minimum is two people. He was just doing that because I've been coming to him for nice. years, you know. Um, you said you caught some trout? Yeah, caught some nice trout. Dude, he lost a big one. Um, really? Yeah. Wow. He, so he fishes with you? Yeah. That's cool. Um, it was just he and I, you know. Um, he had his he had his popper out there, and he was popping it. Something nailed it and just started pulling drag for about two or three seconds and just oh, popped right off. Yeah, damn, that sucks. Yeah. <laughs> one that got away. Well, and that kind of ties us into what Henry Fonda is constantly looking for that fish that he's named Walter. Yeah, you know, and uh, how many? I don't know how many seasons he've been trying to catch him for. I, but I don't it was like remember. A decade or yeah, it was like it was a, a lot. I don't time. know how long they live. But it was fine. very catfish hunter. 
You yeah. Know, like, and like Old Man in the Sea, where he yeah. was just like, yeah. he was that old, yeah. you know, and he just wanted yeah. this one thing and yeah. everything. But he also, during and this whole movie, he's bonding with his grandson. He's, he's kind of making up with his, uh, with his daughter and everything. They're kind of, well, I don't remember how it ends. Does it end with one of them dying? Well, I, he, he catches Walter. He catches yeah, Walter. He catches that Walter I, that and I he releases go. him. Um, but he, I don't think he dies. They have a, a, a wreck. They yeah. wreck on the rock. That's right. That's right. Um, and he's like holding on. Yeah. And I, I think if I Nobody remember, dies, I don't think, no, so. I don't think he dies. I think it's kind of like a <gasps> very yeah. close call and that's also very bonding. Um, but I, I don't remember how they get out of there. I can't remember if the kid is the one who gets on the boat and saves the grandfather or I, I just don't remember. Yeah, if, it was know. good. It was a good family was a very, movie. Yeah, very Even though I think movie. they, wasn't there some uh, scenes where she was smoking weed and, it, and everything? Oh, I, I kind of remember that as a kid being like, what the hell's going on here? Yeah. <laughs> could have been. I, I, I mean, it's remember. Jane Fonda, so yeah, it makes yeah, sense that it would be. Better than Ryan. Barbarella. <laughs> That's why they wouldn't let, uh, what's, their, what's her brother's name? I can't remember. Uh, the other Fonda. Not uh, not Henry Bridget Fonda? no from from yeah from um, Easy Rider, Easy Rider. <laughs> yeah. Peter. Peter Fonda yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah he's like we can't have you on here Peter Fonda was like obsessed with pot and uh, LSD like no one no one's business <laughs> Come he on, was kids, kind of the black bond. sheep of the family but he actually could act really well too mm. loved him in the limey all right Dave what you got all right let's see let's go with Black Rain oh, I love Black Rain man this is one of Eric's favorite movies too man uh, our cousin and. Uh, Oh, super overlooked, and it's a uh, very well-known director. What's his name? Uh, Ridley Scott. Yep. Yeah. It, tell us. It, except it felt like a um, oh Michael Mann my, movie. Michael we were Mann talking about movie. that. It totally uh, <laughs> feels like a Michael Mann movie. It feels like uh, Ridley Scott. Ridley Scott doing his I'm best. Make this Michael like Mann. Mann. Michael Mann would do it <laughs> because he throws out a couple of that music uh, scenes. Yeah. That uh, Michael Mann has the weird thing where he puts certain music like an actual band music in uh, films in a place where you would think that it didn't didn't really work. And sometimes that works for him, and sometimes it's horrible. Like, who did Live and Die in L.A.? Was that it? That was him. Yeah. <laughs> you got to almost tell. Like, I... A movie where it really worked was Manhunter. Yep. I think when mm-hmm. he put music in there, it really worked. A movie where I thought it screwed the whole movie up was uh, Collateral, that movie with uh, Jamie Foxx yeah, and Tom yeah. Cruise, where there's this like intense racing where they're racing the cab and everything, and it busts into some like really horrible like uh, L.A. rock type uh, band. You're like, what the hell would he put this music <laughs> in there it's for? It's his buddy's band. It's his thing, man. I don't know why. But yeah, Ridley Scott, man. And this was, I mean... Michael Douglas... Uh, you could totally tell the cinematography was Ridley Scott. Yeah. Like There was a scene where we were watching it and it looked straight out of Blade Runner. There's because a, a lot of... Neons and wetness. All... all yeah, that wet Asian city. Uh, yep. It was Tokyo. And so it was Michael Douglas and... and Andy Garcia. Andy Garcia. Kate Capshaw. Kate Capshaw. That's basically the only. And then yeah. Massa. Yeah, Massa. I don't know who that. We he, found out he was at he a. He played in Mr. Movie. Baseball. Remember? That's right. He was like the uh, uh, the main coach in Mr. Baseball. Oh, really? Yeah, he was really That's great. Great. Guy. That was a good baseball movie. Yeah. But yeah, tell us the gist. And it hasn't been a whole lot of movies dealing with this subject matter. Oh, uh, the Yakuza. Which is real. The, one so you, was like, the one you just mentioned was uh, yeah was probably the other. So big the Yakuza, one. Uh, Japanese mafia. Was um, so the movie was about counterfeiting, yeah, um, which is what To Live and Die in LA was. About. It was great um, when that first scene, when uh, when when the Asian guys come in with the machine guns, oh, yeah. and the Italian bosses are like there, and Michael Douglas and Andy Garcia just happened to be at the yeah, restaurant, just having food, and uh, God, they sliced that guy's neck, stole one of the plates, 
and they arrested him after that fight. Yeah, this movie was basically all about those plates that made the counterfeit. They have one plate for the front and one plate for the back. Yeah, right. And two different families had it. Like, two different rivals of the gang yeah. had one had one part of the plate, and the other one had another part of the plate. And uh, But they caught him, and that fight scene was really cool. Oh, yeah. The, in the meat factory, because Michael Douglas is a badass. That guy had a knife. Oh, yeah. There's some great uh, physical stuff that Michael Douglas did in this movie. Usually, my mind always goes to one famous death scene in this movie uh, because it was just such a pivotal point. Now, you obviously, know oh, what yeah, I'm talking yeah, about. Yeah. Uh, have you you ever seen Black Rain before? I've seen it once, and I you don't remember, remember anything from it, it at all. Well, we'll spoil a little bit. Talk about so the, like so to fast forward a little bit. So they they have to bring this prisoner back to Japan. Yeah. They want to prosecute him in Japan. And they get hosed on the plane. Yeah. <laughs> so they, they really they do a prisoner transfer right in, on the plane. The people come on and take him and you you think the movie you think the movie's taking a different direction and then like a few seconds later another team comes to take the prisoner away and they're like After they've already After they've the already given away? the prisoner yeah. away. So yeah. it was a fake pr- they they the Yakuza them were dressed up like cops. Yeah, oh, wow. they busted him out. So the now the easiest thing they had to do all day because yeah. Michael Douglas and Andy Garcia was like, "Here, oh, God. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> sign here, sign well, here." Yeah, they gave him a list. It was like a list for In like Japanese thing. or something like that. It uh-huh. wasn't even a friggin' so, uh, transfer list. There's this huge manhunt, and they insist on staying to try to help find this guy. Yeah, I think the first half's in like New York, and the second yeah. half's in the all second, in Japan. Well, almost three quarters. Yeah, three quarters probably. Um, so. They partner, so they ask to stay. They get permission to stay, but then they they're observers. They can't have their guns. Right. They have to have a minder. Who is this? That Masa. Um, guy, yeah. Masa. Masa. And uh, Masa, he's typical Japanese police. You know, you do what you're told. Yeah. And whereas Michael Douglas is kind of a renegade, yeah. so they are kind of not hitting it off. But then Andy Garcia is kind of like the go between. Yeah. And then you you can spoil this. Yeah, there was part. a there's a great scene where. They were fucking with them on the motorcycles, right? Yeah, the, yeah. the motorcycle gangs was a huge kind of uh, point in this movie where they showed a couple different times, and they showed Michael Douglas actually racing motorcycles at the beginning of it too. And at one point, they're in a parking, they're in a parking garage, and uh, <laughs> they're in a parking <laughs> garage. And they get separated. Michael Douglas is on one side of the chain link fence, and uh, Andy Garcia is actually in the parking garage. And the motorcycles start like circling around Andy Garcia, and they got this really great shot. It's probably one of my favorite Ridley Scott shots. Is when one of the guys on the motorcycle has this like super sharp like samurai sword, and he puts it to the ground and takes off on his thing, so it's just sparking yeah. all over the place and That's getting awesome. red hot. Oh. And then he comes right over to Andy Garcia and whoop lops Andy Garcia's head right off. What? Oh, oh, in front of Michael Douglas, you're like, holy crap! Yeah, fuck yeah. And I know it's most co-star of the movie. Yeah, well, looking now back in the day, usually that that friend cop always takes always dies. But back in like 80, <laughs> back in '89, it hadn't been done as as many times, and, and Andy Garcia was a pretty big kind of character in it. You figured maybe he'd get hurt and end up in the hospital or something. Nope, head right off. Yeah. And if there wasn't anything that was gonna kind of move Michael Douglas's character along in the movie, that certainly was going to be. Now he's definitely not going home, yeah. and he's gonna do what he has to do. So it was great, man. I think great the, little action movie. I think the most memorable recent partner dying scene and I, I I won't say the name of the movie because you'll both know what I'm talking about is that bank robbery movie that we discussed a little while back you know what I'm talking about Hell, you just, nah I'm not going to oh. say the name of the movie because okay, I don't want to spoil that yeah, yeah. oh dude because I don't want to spoil that in the movie but like 
That scene right there, as far yeah. as partners dying. Yeah. Oh man, that one. I totally just... forgot about it. Though. Oh my <laughs> so gosh. You guys were reminding me of it. Yeah. Yeah, it was a pretty well known thing. Yeah. But yeah, that was a great one. All right. For my number three here, this was a movie that I always loved growing up. It was always a uh, very dark kind of uh, different movie. And this is 1986, The Name of the Rose. Now, do you remember The Name of the Rose? The only mm. thing I know is He Who Walks Behind the Rose. But... <laughs> That's not it. Every, every rose has a thorn. Yeah. That's not it. Either. All right, you guys are, you guys are, shut your mics off. War of the Rose? <laughs> The Rose Bowl? You're, 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 all, you're, you're coming up. Rosebud? <laughs> you're going to get there. Everything's roses? <laughs> Everything's coming up. Rose. Uh, all right. So the name of the rose. This starred the a lot of great actors, but primarily Sean Connery. One of Sean Connery's best uh, movies. So you've got this abbey that's filled with these monks. That and all the monks are famous actors. William Hickey's one of them, you know, the grandfather from Christmas Vacation. Yep. Uh, they made him look old in this movie, and now he's like, I don't even know he's alive now. But uh, you know, it's, it's always funny when they do that, yeah. and then they get to the age where they look just like, they're like, like yeah. wow, somebody really had that vision perfect. <laughs> I feel like that with Max von Sydow when they aged him for The Exorcist, and now he looks just like that. Uh, yeah, right. Yeah. But uh, Ron Perlman was very famous in this movie. He had like one tooth in his mouth, and he had a hunchback, and he barely could speak. This was a very muddy, bloody, kind of wet, nasty movie. And it was the, the, awesome. cinematography was very, <laughs> the cinematography was very dark. This took place in like the 1400s in Italy at, at this abbey. Really? So what happens is uh, a monk flies out the top of the, uh, the roof of one of the buildings and ends up on the ground kind of further along down this hill. And they have to bring in, before they call in, they think it's like supernatural. So they're getting ready to call in the Spanish Inquisition, who's run by F. Murray Abraham. <laughs> no one expects yeah. the Spanish Inquisition. <laughs> this showed you exactly how horrible, horrible, uh, there was some really horrible shit they showed in this movie. And F. Fake Murray news. Abraham, fake news. Yeah. <laughs> F. Murray Abraham plays a bad guy in a lot of different movies, Amadeus, uh, Surviving the Game. Amadeus. But in this, he was straight up evil. When you saw him on the screen, it made you just want to poop I mean, it, was, it was scary as shit so what happened before they were going to call in the spanish inquisition they called in sean connery who's like an investigator. of course <laughs> he's like an investigator. it's bond and man his uh his kind of uh helper or his assistant is uh christian slater like the earliest christian slater i think i've ever seen oh, wow. him in a movie and so and it's basically them going and figuring out and it's really great clues and really great murders while they're they're investigating all different monks start turning up dead and they find one upside down in this like uh they at first they were thinking that it was possible suicide with this guy jumping out the window <laughs> but then when the second guy showed up and he was upside down in this water barrel with his feet sticking straight up and everything and Sean uh, Connery like he's got a great line he's like that guy did not commit suicide <laughs> <laughs> and so they're figuring out that each one of them has How this black die? mark the plague yeah. <laughs> he's got a sword in him yeah. he fell on it <laughs> 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 uh, random yellow beard. Uh, they're all real. Sean Connery realizes that they have black marks on their finger and they have black marks on their tongue. 
and that he doesn't know what the hell is going on. And everyone seems shady. Everyone hmm. seems like they know what's going on, but yeah. they might not. At one point, Ron Perlman tries to kill him by dropping this like uh, rock on their heads. And like I said, each one of them start dying more and more and more. And they're getting closer to what it has, and they all—they realize it has something to do with the library. They have—they figure out at some point that there's like this forbidden. There's a section of forbidden uh, books that people are breaking into, and but then you find out that somebody is so pissed that the other people looking at uh, the forbidden books that he poisons. He laces the pages with poison. Oh, wow. And so it starts killing people that way. And there was a great scene where that guy thought Sean Connery was going to fall for it. And uh, Sean Connery put gloves on, on first. He's like, I certainly wouldn't want to touch your pages without this. And they show it's like dripping green liquid. You're like, what the hell? <laughs> <laughs> well, they and, weren't subtle back then. There was no CSI. Yeah, yeah. Oh, don't worry about that. That's just ooze. <laughs> At some point, they realize Sean Connery's getting too close. And they call F. Murray Abraham, man. And they show them torture. Uh several monks including Ron Perlman and they're about the 1400s they knew, really knew what they were doing back then oh, as far God. as torture went yeah they, and they were going to burn him at the stake there was that point where they got him all uh, tied to the stake and Ron Perlman's just singing and he's not even there man he's like in a different place wow and uh, it was it was an amazing really really great kind of mystery cop type movie that's told on a different venue that you're not used to seeing and Sean Connery man this was like Sean Connery being Sean Connery so yeah. if you're a Sean Connery fan you gotta see Name of the Rose man really really great but I will point out he's he's got one Sean Connery movie here but he's got two Christian Slater movies. I do have two Christian Slater movies <laughs> I also have two Matt Dillon movies but I haven't got to any of them yet. Oh, so that as a tease alright what do you got there Justin well if you're talking roses I'll see your roses and raise you a steel magnolias Steel Magnolias. <laughs> I, don't think, I don't think that's an actual. <laughs> that was that's probably the pick that I would not have expected. To, uh, that must have some personal kind of ties. He went, so you went a lot more feel goody than I thought you would. <laughs> Most of mine are dark. He still hasn't got over the uh, disturbing bun. Yeah, right. <laughs> well, I mean, this one's got some sadness is, to it. This oh, is this is a straight up sad ass movie. Yeah, man. <laughs> it is a sad movie, um, but it's not a. It's not a gory movie. Yeah, this one just kind of... I don't want to talk too much back. I saw it in the theater. I didn't see a whole lot with of movies. With my mom. Yeah, I didn't see a whole lot of movies in the theater with my mom. Um, but this was one of those. Um, and it was also just like one of her favorites that she would watch. Was this a uh, based on a book, I wonder? I think I it was. To have been. I, I'm, I'm pretty sure it was. I'm, I'm Super going... famous actresses. I mean, this um, was yeah, filled Sally with... Sally like... Field, Dolly Parton, Shirley MacLaine, Daryl Hannah, Julia Roberts, Olympia Dukakis. Tom Skerritt in this Tom too? Skerritt, Tom Dylan Skerritt. McDermott, um, like Robert huge. Harling. Um, this is like, you got to use Shepherd. this for the Kevin Bacon game. It's a great one to use. Yeah, <laughs> for real. I guarantee the script got them to do it for scale because that would be too expensive to have. Oh, I'm sure, people. yeah. It was huge that year. I'm going to have to look this one up for Oscars too because it sounds like this has got Oscars written all over it. And, yeah. you know, and it's basically, I'm not sure where, maybe like Alabama or Mississippi, something like that. Um, you know, it's these kind of southern, southern southern bells, you know, and um, it's just a story of these women's They lives. hung out at a hairdresser? <laughs> at a hairdresser, yeah. yeah. I think, um, I, I think Dolly Carton and Olivia Dukakis, Dukakis were like hilarious. Oh, they were so so like, I, I, they were like sarcastic through the whole thing. What the and hell ever happened to Olivia Dukakis, man? She like disappeared. I don't Dead. know. She's still alive. Might be. I don't know. Did <laughs> ate it? No. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that's a crazy. Call, <laughs> An inappropriate uh, one. <laughs> <laughs> You're saying someone ate Olivia Dukakis <laughs> after she died? I just want to get this straight. <laughs> 
Um, and so, you know, uh, there's, it's a very, it's <laughs> gleaming the cube. So, um, yeah, it's just all of Louisiana. These, oh, is that what it was? Yeah. Okay. Um, it's all of their individual stories. Sally Fields is, uh, uh, Julia Roberts' mother, um, and she, Julia Roberts, has cancer, um, yeah. and like she's young too. In she's, this has got like terms yeah. of endearment type yeah. kind of quality to it, where you realize shortly on, oh, we're gonna see this girl die. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and she, you know, she ends up falling in love, yeah. and she gets pregnant. She has a child. Um, you know, and she's surrounded by like. Her friends. Yeah, like, yeah. Daryl Hannah. There are worse Darryl ways to go. Too, yeah. What's that? There are worse ways to go. Yeah, yeah, yeah for sure. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's just the interaction and the relationship and the lives that they lead. And, you know, it's a very touching movie. And it's, funny scenes in it, though. Like, oh, yeah. Like I said, Olymp- Olympia Dukakis and Shirley MacLaine really added And I wish comedy, I could especially remember Shirley specific McClane. things. What's her name? Were, Birdie or something? It sounds right. Yeah. Um, yeah, I can't remember any specifics, but I remember them just going at each other's throats all the time, but in kind of a, uh, a loving type way. Yeah. Um, Dolly Parton's name was Truvy. Um, She's great, man. I love Dolly Parton. She's she, something she about didn't her. do enough. Yeah, there's just something or about didn't her. didn't do enough back then. That's straight talk right there. <laughs> Justin gets it. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, you know, they didn't have like... Outst- uh, Julia Roberts was Shelby. That was her name. Um, she was early on in her career. She got nominated for an Oscar for this, but this was early on. This was probably right after Mystic Pizza and probably right before Pelican Flatliners. Brief. Now, Pelican Brief was a little later. Was it? That was a good movie. Yeah, it was a good movie. Yeah. But I think Flatliners was uh, pretty big, and obviously not until Pretty Woman did she go like nuclear on it. I think one of my favorite things that she's ever done, and it, it's by far not her best role, of course, coming from me, but uh, in, I think it's Ocean's 12, where they have to do like a certain heist, and everybody is on a list to watch, so they can't get into the museum. So Julia Roberts plays Julia Roberts, and, yeah, and has was, to go it's in. Interesting. I yeah, didn't know that. it's yeah. really funny. Like you look just like her. You know what I mean? That, that, I think that's one of the, like the more interesting things I've ever seen her do. But yeah, I mean, just a good heartfelt yeah. movie. You know, make you laugh, make you cry, full of drama. <laughs> Hi, Dave. <laughs> oh, <laughs> tough to fall that. Yeah, I know. <laughs> um, this is a movie that we saw as kids a bunch of times. Really, really liked it. I think Dad really liked it. Uh, Taps. Oh God, man, we saw this. It was it was probably Timothy a, Hutton. Timothy Hutton. There was some really adult things in this movie, but it was yep. filled with kids, and it was difficult for us to watch. George I C. Rem- Scott. I remember some disturbing stuff in this movie. Yeah, that kind of affected me as a kid. Uh, it was done really, really well, man. Yeah, I never saw this. One. Oh, man. basically, like it, it's really so. Good. It was a military academy that had been basically it was a high school junior high to like through high school is this the one with tom cruise yep yep okay one of tom cruise's first movies really it was his first movie he was an extra that was a great story we've told before where he uh they it was a bunch of kids in the military academy so fill in a bunch yeah they needed to fill in a bunch of they had a they had somebody turn up sick at some point and they realized that there's this one kid who is just part of the crowd when they're doing the military things that is giving like 1,000%. Mm-hmm. He has like nailed his, what do they call that when they flip the guns and everything? They call it the, something. The march, or, I mean, there's a, <clears throat> uh, what's, 
Yeah, they do some weird, yeah. But anyways, he was given a thousand. Was, his formations were really. His good. formations, and he was always there, and he was always pumping everybody else mm-hmm. up. And the director is like, "We need to stick, plug him in the movie." That's so awesome. much so that they gave him speaking roles, and one of the most memorable scenes of the movie is with him at the end. Oh, and it, it made his career. Yes, yeah. crazy. So it was a military academy, um, and George C. Scott is like the head commandant of the yeah. academy. Well, they find out that they're going to shut it down. Mm-hmm. Um, they're going to let the the, the next year is going to be the last year. They said he gives a big speech. He's like, "Sorry, we're losing funding. The ones that aren't going to graduate next year are going to be sent to other academies, and the the ones that are seniors next year they get which was Timothy Hutton, all of them, Penn. Sean Penn and uh, and Tom Cruise were all seniors, or w- one of them wasn't. Timothy Hutton was. So what happens is they have this uh, they have this ball and. And it, like, like a town yeah. like this would like have, a, you got like townies. Yeah, they had a, a they had a ball for the military ball. Okay, and the townies showed up and were throwing beers at the entrance and just being a bunch of dickheads because yeah. they were dating some of the townie girls. Uh-huh. So a, a brawl breaks out, and George C. Scott comes out to try to to try to uh, solve it, mm-hmm. and someone grabs yeah. his gun from his holster <clears throat> and shoots one of the townies in the chest. Damn. And, and I think drops the gun, and you don't. Yeah. You knew that he didn't do it, but he wasn't fit for command anymore. I think he had a stroke. Yeah, they had to. They had to pull him out. Yeah, but then they were gonna. So they were gonna go back on the plan. They were just gonna <clears throat> shut the school down right then. This and, is where the movie starts. And really. not, yeah, not even let them do their last year. So they. Wow. Timothy Hutton's like, I I've been here my whole life. I can't not graduate. So they decide the kids before everybody leaves. They were getting ready to leave for the summer. Yeah. They go into town. They steal a bunch of rations. They, they go into the armory. They go to the armory. They steal all the weapons. They steal everything. And, and they Damn. shut the... They lock... The, they own the school now. The, the school yeah. is there. All the school grounds. Jeez, they, they put take sentries on post. Yep. Damn. And, and they got little kids into this, Little too, kids. Was like, like junior high. Nine-year-old, yeah, ten-year-olds. Like tw- <clears throat> probably 12 or 13. Like junior high. Yeah. And uh, they basically said, we have a list of demands, and we're not leaving here until you... And Ronnie Listen. Cox came in as one of the in-betweens. Which was, I think it was, it was Timothy Hutton's, Hutton's dad. Yeah. And he had the great line. He was like, I've been doing this before you eat any of you guys had hair one between your legs. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, man. And Timothy Hunt was amazing in this. People forget that uh, he had already won an Oscar yeah, coming into this role. movie. Uh, he didn't win it for this, but uh, he, for Turk? Ordinary People. Ordinary People. Ordinary People with uh, Mary Tyler Moore, and I, I can't remember who the other actor was. But he won Best Supporting Actor in that movie, and he was really, really good. He was it. only so like he, 17. So he came into this movie already have won an, winning an Oscar. Sean Penn had done Fast Times, Rosemont High, nothing too serious in this kind of... He was actually the the reasonable one in this group. Yeah, which is weird, because almost they're, the way their careers have gone... Uh, since then, you would think yeah. that uh, Sean Penn would have played the but Tom Cruise was character. the fucking oh. yeah. He turned crazy like all of a sudden at the at the end too. And yep. it was really and I insane. I, I won't spoil it, but so the, the National Guard shows up outside with tanks and loudspeakers. They bring the parents there. Oh yeah. And one of the craziest scenes, and this isn't a spoiler scene, is they're like, they said, you know, whoever doesn't want to be here, come to the gate. Yeah. Couple of the young kids. Couple people ran over, and then Timothy Hutton had a meeting the next day. He's like, "Anybody wants to leave can leave right now." And a bunch of people leave, so he's kind of so. At that night, they kept having the parents use their voices over there to talk their kids down. And one kid runs towards the gate, but everybody's on edge. And when he's running, he drops his rifle, Uh, and it goes off, uh, discharges. And then the guy in the tank 
Yeah. Shoot some square in the chest. I think it's the kid from uh, National Lampoon's Vacation, the one with the worm farm. Yep, that I'm makes sure. sense. I'm yep. pretty sure that's Red-headed the kid. Redheaded kid. Yeah. And uh, just and kills was, him right there. Jeez. Beautiful, man. There's a killer scene at the end. They storm at the end, and there's man. There's a killer, killer scene, man, that you didn't expect to see, and it always kind of uh, burns in your brain. Yeah, it was a great movie, man. You definitely should check out check out Taps. Uh, All right, my movie here, and this is 1989, and I love this movie. Ever since I first saw it, it was probably my first exposure to what heroin was. But it wasn't like a, it wasn't as dark as say uh, Requiem. It wasn't dark at all. This was a very fun kind of movie to watch. Uh, a lot of comedy, a lot of great stuff happened in this movie. And this was Drugstore Cowboy. Oh, okay. Really great movie with Matt Dillon. I man. never saw this. Oh, one. You'd like it. It's not I, what you I, think it would be. Right? No. And I I've heard it's a really good movie. James it's Wood. Just, uh, no, it's uh, Matt that's, Dillon. That's another day in paradise. Um, I think. Yeah, it's another day in paradise. Very, it's similar type style uh, as a, another day in paradise is a lot more fucked up, not as fun. But the drugstore cowboy, you have Matt Dillon, Kelly Lynch with her dark hair before she yep. went blonde for mm-hmm. like Roadhouse, and then she kept it for a while. Roadhouse. Uh, <laughs> and then you've got Heather Graham, one of the first things she ever did, yep. and then you got James Remar, who had already done fan. He already done did Phantasm too, I think. And uh, this was before he got. Uh, no, this was after he got fired from uh, Aliens. They uh, because they brought him in, and that's then right. they, that's who they replaced him with Michael Behan. Scotland, PA. Uh, Scotland, I still haven't seen. I still it. haven't seen. It. I own it. I haven't seen it yet, though. Please watch <laughs> that movie. <laughs> when you put you're going to watch it, you're going to be like, "Damn, that was a good movie." I know. Well, I'm waiting for you to put it on one of your lists. Well, I'll give watch me a list to can fit onto. <laughs> yeah, it's going on character actresses. Uh, so what's going on with these guys? These guys are low-level heroin and pill addicts. And basically their whole life is, how are we going to get pills? How are we going to do this? Get and they've the got fix. this great scam that they do. And you see it at the very beginning of the movie where they, they're robbing pharmacies, basically. And back then you could it was easier to do. You get the pharmacist out of the pharmacy and you could literally have free reign of whatever the hell you can grab. So their, their trick was that they go in, they each go into the pharmacy different points in the store and everything matt dillon kind of hangs out close to the pharmacy heather graham goes in there and at some point heather graham drops to the ground and pretends to have an epileptic seizure oh shit and james not james remar james Legrosse. james remar is in the movie he plays the cop james remar is the uh the guy who plays dexter's dad mm-hmm. and he was the bad guy in 48 hours i knew you man james Legrosse was the other guy from uh uh, from Phantasm Scotland, PA. Too, in Scotland, PA. It's funny that you knew what I was talking about, though. <laughs> but so James LaGrosse is pointing at her. This girl's having a fit. Somebody help her. And they get the pharmacist over there, and they're trying to uh, distract her, basically, while Matt Dillon goes yeah. behind, steals all the drugs. They go back to the house. They get high. Yeah. They sell some to the guy from Gleaming the Cube, uh, <laughs> who's a... Uh, uh, Who's really good in this movie, and this is one of the early ones before he did Rush. He plays uh, a lot of drug. He plays a lot of drug. He also plays the kind of wimpy kid that's yeah. kind of bullied that you don't want to bully because it's going to come back and bite your ass at some point, which is actually what happens in this movie. Uh, one of the big scenes in the movie, so he's going back and forth between James Remar, who knows. He's like, you stealing from pharmacies again, Bob? He's like, you can't be doing this uh, type of shit. And he's like, I don't know what you're talking about. And Matt Dillon's jaw is moving back and forth like a mile a minute. <laughs> you get to see a lot of that type stuff that you see in future drug movies that you weren't even aware of that this movie was so kind of uh into that drug community that uh william s burroughs came into the movie at the end remember william s burroughs had a role Mm -hmm. in this movie who played like he was also the technical yeah i'm sure Uh, because he was a well-known he wrote the book junkie i mean that i'll tell you what just so so because i don't get a chance to talk about this book enough Mm -hmm. i loved this book for drug joke cowboy no oh 
Junkie. Junkie. Junkie's a great book. And William S. Burroughs. And, yeah. and I shouldn't like it because I have no connection to that world whatsoever. No, that's whatsoever. why it's interesting because it but exposes. Just, just to hear the lengths that he would go, yeah. like what his thought pattern before each day would start yeah. would just be literally pretty much what all these characters were thinking. How are we going to get our next fix? What mm-hmm. is it going to be? You know, the do anything to get it. Well, there's a couple key points in this movie I like to get to. There's one that's really, really funny where he realizes uh, at some point they're at this shady hotel and they're just hanging out there. They're doing drugs and everything and they're trying to uh, not get caught by James Remar doing stuff you shouldn't be doing. They they find a pharmacy where there's an open transom where they just uh, slide like Heather Graham in there and they open the door and they find like... <laughs> Tons of drugs, and they got like Dilaudid. This is the first yeah. time I ever heard of the drug Dilaudid. Mm-hmm. And they said how powerful it is, and this will get us high for for however long and everything. Two hours. No, it's like insane. It's like <laughs> three months or something <laughs> no, like that. Because no, sure. you need like a pin yeah. drop of it because it's so powerful. Shit, now but it's at some point, fentanyl yeah, stuff. At some point, this old lady comes to the door and says, I'm down in the end, and there's some guy, I think it's on a ladder looking into the house. He says, can you come and look at it? Uh, and they look, and they realize that James Remar uh, and, oh, and right. his partner are like going up uh, and looking into windows trying to find what Bob is doing. Well, they pull this whole scam where uh, Matt Dillon uh, comes up to uh, this big guy that lives at the, uh, yeah. at the hotel, and he says to him, he says, hey, man, I don't want to disturb you and everything, but last night I was on my balcony and I saw some guy looking into that be- your bedroom window up there. Or his daughter's bedroom window. In his window. daughter's bedroom, and the guy flips out oh, and everything. Fuck. So they, Matt Dillon knows <laughs> it's going to happen the next night. So this guy is like sitting with a shotgun on his like uh, couch waiting for uh, the ruckus to happen. But the way Matt Dillon, he sets up James LaGros, Kelly Lynch, and Heather Graham right in front of the picture window with the blinds uh, drawn. He's like, this is going to be great. You guys wait for this. <laughs> he's actually watching through the thing and he's like oh my god he's got a gun and so when uh that guy comes out and shoots the guy like right off of the uh the ladder oh, and fuck. matt dylan freaks out. he's like oh my god oh my god and he's like freaking out but one scene in this movie that uh, it's a minor spoiler it's not uh it doesn't happen it happens in the middle of the movie and it's really probably the only disturbing thing but it was very crazy is they're He's constantly arguing with Heather Graham. Heather Graham is like a real new... They just yeah. picked her up. She's she only been around more, for three right? months. She wanted an equal portion of drugs like the other people were having, but mm. he's, she's really early on and she's not used to this. Well, at some point, James LaGrosse, Kelly Lynch, and Matt Dillon leave the hotel and they leave her there. When they come back, she had taken too much Dilaudid. She's dead as shit. Oh, Stone cold. Her, her, like gray. Yeah. Her eyes are glossed over and everything. I'm like, hmm, and what should we do? What should we do? should we do with this body? Soul has exited so the body. They stick her in the attic. Yeah. Oh, in the ceiling. In the like ceiling. the drop ceiling. And at some point, the, <laughs> at some point, the people at the, uh, uh, that are renting the place to them say we've rented the place out to this cop convention and all the cops are outside now so we have to you if you told me you wanted to stay longer in the week you should have told me we're gonna have to have you leave so now they have to get the body out of the attic into the car with a parking lot filled with cops (laughs) and it's just it's great man it's really really great And and the last quarter of the movie is matt uh, Dylan trying to get clean, you know, and that's where he comes across William S. Burroughs, and William S. Burroughs talking about his troubles and everything. Yeah. And Kelly Lynch is still in the life, and James LaGross is kind of the leader of their gang now. So it's a very interesting where it began to Don't work. Do drugs. kind of thing, yeah. But like I said, this wasn't like I would not put this on the disturb pod because I didn't find anything oddly disturbing about it. Maybe the Heather Graham's death, but I mean, other than that, it was a very funny movie and it had some really great scenes. And Matt Dillon was very charismatic in it, so I enjoyed it. Hell yeah. All right. Justin, what you got? 
All right, man. Um, Loves. Yeah, this is a really great movie. Um, we'll be the judges. No, no <laughs> the the world has already said so. <laughs> uh, but we say it doesn't matter. Yeah, uh, this you is to gleam the cube. Yeah, you damn right. <laughs> um, so this is 1989's. Uh, do the right thing. Oh yeah, yeah. Let's put uh, let's a put Spike the, Lee joint. A Spike Lee joint. Let's put him on the map. I yeah. think this and Black Klansman, in my opinion, are probably his two Black best. Black Klansman was so awesome. It was really, really good. good. Yeah. That was one of his best uh, for sure. But this one also was a really enjoyable movie. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. I just um, remember first seeing it and thinking, "Wow, Spike Lee really hates Italian people." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he. The, well, I'm sure there was a lot of Italian racism. They, Danny Aiello. I mean, I'm probably it head probably back. wasn't that far off from the interactions. No, he had, probably but. true. And uh, yeah, Danny Aiello kind of was the face of the racist kind of pizza owner yeah, in this and movie. John Turturro. John Turturro. And then, There's uh, a lot of famous actors yeah. in this movie. We got Spike Lee himself. Yeah. But you've got our guy from Breaking Bad, uh, G- uh, Giancarlo Esposito. Man, yep. he was so good in this movie, and he looked super young in this movie. Yeah, man. yeah, he was a completely huge different. Too. He became famous on Breaking it's Bad. It's funny. This yeah. remo- movie reminds me of that. Uh, John Singleton's movie because John Singleton just, yeah, died. just died. That's yeah. sad. We should mention that uh, we lost the great John Singleton. What was the early. name of the movie that kind Boys of in the, like the Boys in the Hood? I was yeah. gonna, but that was in the '90s, so I was gonna yeah. flop that, but mm-hmm. I, so I couldn't you tried fit. To flop but, it, yeah, you it, just, it didn't fit in the box, man. But I'm glad he got a mention because I really did. I appreciate that. Um, also, yeah, who else was in this movie? Maybe. Rosie Perez, oh, Samuel Rosie Jackson. Perez. Like Samuel Jackson. Samuel Jackson. Huh? He's like the narrator. He's like oh, interesting. He's well, he he's. The radio DJ, mm-hmm. and so like he's kind Super of sounds of the seventies. Yes, yeah, <laughs> similar. Um, no, he's great too. Uh, yeah, Danny Aiello, John Turturro, um, Ruby D, Ozzy Davis. I love Ruby D. Bill that, Nunn. Those they're married. You know, oh, are they? Ozzy Davis and uh, well, they were at that time. They have a great yeah. role in the movie as well. Martin Lawrence is in it. He plays. Who's like, my guy next to Ozzy there? Uh, Bill Nunn? Yeah, Bill Nunn. Yeah, man. I love Bill Nunn, man. Dude, love and hate, man. He's the yeah. guy with the big boombox, dude. He's great, and yeah, he was really great in this. He was yeah. uh, awesome in Canadian Bacon. He was the one. I always black guys die in the movie. Remember that? Let's see. Yeah, let's see. Uh, who else? A, bunch man, a lot of, of really great actors. Oh, uh, Richard Edson is the other son of uh, Danny Aiello. Uh, Roger get the plot. To the, Roger Genevier Smith, the, mm. the you'll know his face. Um, oh, that's my boy from Deep Cover. Is there you go. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Oh yeah. He plays. Um, so this is basically the story of like I don't know a week maybe something like that. I'm yeah. not sure the timeline in Brooklyn, and like it's one of the hottest points of the year, and everybody's he does that a lot in his movies, man. That's what Summer of Sam was was about. Yeah. Was just how hot it was. Yeah. It was like an element in the movie. The but yeah, yeah. The, the, the city heat is hot. Yeah. Oh, buildings trap oh, yeah, a yeah. lot of oh, fucking bet, heat. Yeah. You yeah. see people out there just trying to freaking like, yeah. cool off. Man. Yeah. Um, and so it's just, it follows this kind of neighborhood and everything that goes on in the people's interactions yeah. and the character roles and the character development is great, man. Um, and it's actually pretty like intricate, you know, and stuff like that. But yeah. The overall thing is, you know, racial tension. Yeah. And there was a lot of breaking the fourth wall in this movie too. By isn't by Spike, by Spike Lee, Lee, where yeah. he's talking to the camera. Yeah. yeah. Um, and one particular part is where the guy from Breaking Bad is going into Sal's pizza shop, and 
like Sal serves him his slice and he's like dissatisfied with it or whatever. Yeah. And he's Why aren't like, any black people on the wall? Yeah. Right? And so, you know, basically he says like, look, when you get your own place, you can put whoever you want on the wall. Yeah. And, he, and you can see that argument. Yeah. 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 Oh, yeah, yeah. No, I mean, you know, you kind of, I don't know. I mean, if you don't like someplace, don't go there. Right. You know, my... well, that, that particular incident like triggers, yeah. you know, him to be like boycott Sal's. And so... Tensions start rising and like, and the heat doesn't help, and that that's why it was a good element in the movie because people mm-hmm. were already kind of pissed off. Yep. And just oh upset. yeah, those extremes, those extreme cold, hits, yeah. No, I'll add things to the movie. An interesting fact: they keep jails cold to keep people more docile. That's interesting. That's huh. why they, they do it at uh, those migrant camps. Too. Oh really? Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's because so, because crazy people, psychological bullshit. Yeah, played right there. But yeah, I guess it works. Um, and so that kind of starts the catalyst, and uh, eventually, um, I got to get his name real quick. Yeah, I mean, it breaks out into all a kind of rioting. Well, yeah. Right? So eventually, um, Bill Nunn and Gene uh, Carlo, Gene Carlo, thank you, um, come back to Sal's one night, yeah. and. Basically, they're like, look, you're either going to put some black people on this wall or, you know, we're going to have a problem here. And uh, Bill Nunn's got Such his... a weird request. <laughs> well, I mean, yeah. He just wanted respect. And yeah, that he was just the... wanted, yeah. He, and but there's a the lot of he... stuff building up to that, too, yeah. you know. And, like, you can tell that, like, pretty soon the N-word's going to get used. Oh, yeah. and, and, you know, and that's going to tip scales, yeah. you know. Um, and no, like, yeah, people shouldn't say that and whatever and all that. But like in that thing, like, it, it's just like, it was so heated and it, it was so hot that people yeah. were so full of hate in this moment, you know, that eventually Danny Aiello breaks the, uh, boom box yeah. with the bat. He gets angry. Great too. Danny. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. And you know, and that's when he starts saying things, you know, that, you know, you, nobody wants to ever say or hear. You can't take back. Yeah. You know, and like. You gotta live in that neighborhood. It's weird. Yeah, I know. That's why if you're a merchant, you should be kissing everyone's ass. Yes. Gonna bring I'll put whoever you want on the wall. Exactly. Keep yeah. giving me your money. Yeah. Right. I kiss the know? president's asses right on. Yeah. Into um, my till. <laughs> and so eventually the fight breaks out after that. And Bill Nunn gets killed by the police. Yeah. He gets shot. And that's when the fucking riot breaks. And that's when... Cops you don't know, shoot. I can't even laugh at that, dude. <laughs> yeah. um, but that's when finally, you know, um, Mookie decides, like, okay, this is it. I've had enough. Like, you know, because he's trying... He's kind of the voice of reason between between everybody. You know, there's this really great scene um, where he's talking with John Turturro and he's talking with him, you know, about like, look, dude, you're racist. You know what I mean? And he's like, I'm not racist. I'm not racist. And he's like, these black people aren't like these black people. They're different. Like, you know, and it's just like, he's like, no, they're not. They're not different. Like, you know, you don't understand you're racist, you know? And like, he's trying to talk to him about that and he's trying to like make things better you know and then during the the riot scene there's also like a really like poignant moment because there's the korean uh store owners Mm -hmm. um and they play a pivotal role like you know and just showing that uh through the movie like bill nunn comes in to get 20d batteries from them which is (laughs) funny you know which is funny but like there's a whole tense scene there um and so once they burn down sal's they the mob starts to go over to the yeah. Korean market and they're gonna burn him his place down, um, and the Korean guy, basically, you know, he says to them because he doesn't speak English well. He's like, "Don't do this. I'm black," and they all they all stop and they're <laughs> like, 
the fuck do you mean you're black? You know, and he just goes, you and I, we the same. You know what I mean? And it kind of like changes their focus. And also it takes some tension out because they think that's hilarious that he would say like, I'm black, you know, but like, it's just, you know, it's just a very poignant thing. And, you know, like... It's a movie oh, about respect. People yeah, and, and respect. doing the right thing and just, like, respecting each other and not getting to that point. And it's just a fabulous fucking movie. It was movie. a good and, commentary movie on oh, yeah. the state, and it it's poignant. It's almost funny how it never isn't unpoignant. Yeah, it's yeah, always, it's true. Yeah. I mean, racism is always there. That's going on and, right now in New York. Oh, yeah. Well, and, here. like, the... Because um, I watched a little bit of this, and, like, you know, the cinematography and everything, like, it, it doesn't... Well, we put them on the map. For yeah, sure, well, it, it all it all holds up. Like, it still looks like a great movie. Yeah. You yeah. know, like, it doesn't look like an old, rundown 80s movie, like, you know, but, yeah, fucking great movie. Man, this... Speaking of cops shooting people, did you hear the 911 call for that woman that walked in the wrong apartment? I I I read the transcripts. I didn't hear it. Yeah, it's crazy. Did you hear about that one? No. Where was gonna lose her job or something? She was. uh, She's like. She just got her off her shift. Yeah. And she's returning to her apartment complex, and she. uh, She had just moved in there. She had just moved in there. She wasn't super familiar with it. She she goes into her apartment and there's an intruder in her apartment and shoots him immediately, not realizing that she's on the wrong floor. She walked into the wrong apartment. She's on the wrong floor and she she just walked in the wrong apartment and she just walks killed some guy in his apartment and she's gonna go down rightfully so but her uh 911 <laughs> call was chilling where he's she was like well the problem with it is she, she screwed mentioned, up she mentioned how uh how much she had been awake for and you realize right there that she's she's gonna screw herself by saying that but she's like i've been i've worked a double shift i didn't mean it i didn't mean it oh my god uh i'm gonna get fired she mentioned that too not, not to mention the guy's <coughs> life that she ended but one of those fired. situations they had that other cop that uh the woman who came out to their car because there had been gunshot wounds yeah. and he he reached across his partner who was sitting in the driver's seat to shoot this woman in the head and she was completely innocent she's the one who made the call yep. people are gun happy man and it's uh it's a shame uh, they had that other guy who accidentally in the... Uh, Pops going on That's tear. enough of that. <laughs> <laughs> this, is all, this was all within... Like, I want to talk about yeah, this, somebody. Yeah. It was all within like three weeks, too. Yeah. The guy who got tased, he reached for his taser and grabbed his gun by accident. I, in the police station. In the police station, yeah. in the interrogation yeah. room. And you hear the guy say, dude, okay. you shot me. For real, he I'm lived through that one. up and walk away if you keep talking about <laughs> He lived shit, through that one, so it wasn't his thing, right. but it's, it's Racism scary. sucks. Yeah. So... Well, guns suck, man. Guns I think suck. a lot of times, too. People are too willing to kind of reach for those suckers. Shoot first and ask questions later. So I guess that means I'm going to talk about racism and guns. Nice. Do, do the right thing, Dave. <laughs> do the right thing, Dave. Mississippi burning. Oh shit! You are oh, talking about racism and guns. I thought you were joking. Yeah, you can't gleam in the cube with this one. Nope. <laughs> oh, fuck. I wouldn't gleam your cube. <laughs> this movie, I I really like this movie. It's a great movie. It, it pairs well with Justin. So, what are you going to talk, man? You brought Do the Right Thing. Yeah, hey, you yeah, started this whole yeah, thing. I had a different movie. I just added this one. <laughs> I planned a happy one to add mine with. Yeah, so, I don't good, know what you're good. About. There we go. <laughs> um, Gene Hackman and Willem Dafoe. Oh, man. Great. Great, great. Dual roles. Each of them had one was a, used to be a cop in the South. Willem that, Dafoe played so many different characters, and this was one of them that. You get to see him play bad guy. You get to see him play pretty straight. In this movie, he was definitely straight. Yep. Yeah, I, I actually don't remember. It's this a true one story very well. about. So they were trying to. Black people had won the right to vote, and I think they were trying to get 
them safety at the polls and stuff. So yeah. the Democratic National Committee sent down some Freedom Riders. Some people that yeah, Freedom Riders yeah. to come in and help organize getting people registered to vote and help make sure they get to the polls. And the South obviously didn't get the memo. <laughs> <laughs> but they, they had just not have got it yet. Small town. <laughs> they they like, were busy gleaming no. the queue. They were busy gleaming the queue. <laughs> you need to hold off on that. Paul, you got to add a sound right here. It goes, ching. <laughs> <laughs> That'll be the gleam of the queue. Yeah. <laughs> but <clears throat> so the, the movie opens with these um, two white guys and a black guy from the Democratic National Committee, teenagers or yeah. high college kids yeah. or something, driving through the South. And all of a sudden, they get the cops pulling them over. Yeah. And uh, speaking of the the fat guy from Ernest, he yep. played the sheriff. Yeah. <laughs> oh well. Yep. And uh, so it doesn't go well. Brad Dorf. Brad Dorf. Yeah. Uh, what's his name? Steven the guy Kobolowski's from the guy it, from uh, uh, Days of Thunder. Ro- oh, Michael Rooker. Yeah, Michael, Michael Rooker. Rooker was he insane, was, man. But I mean, this is coming off Henry, so you knew how. He and was the guy, the, the the guy that played the uh, the mayor, the one that. The, they had that great scene at the end when he was telling the story about his. Oh, about the, is it Arlie? Arlie yeah, Emery is uh, in yep. this? Yeah, Arlie Emery. That's right. But so basically, it was so the kids die. They, I mean, it's a true story. Yeah. They they did die. So the cops pulled them over and murdered them, yeah. and then buried, dumped the dumped car, the car in, the in like in like a swampy yeah. area. And so the FBI agents came down to investigate. Yeah. They didn't really cooperate with them there, but that was. So that was uh, Willem Dafoe and Gene uh, Hackman. Kind of knew how things were going to go there. Yeah, he did. He, a little bit more. Uh, we also should mention the great France McDermott because she won the Oscar oh, for this. That's right. Yeah. She played. Uh, she played uh, Brad Dorf's Brad wife. Dorf's wife. It was like being he, beaten, and she still. He was one of the sheriffs. Yeah, he was one of the sheriffs. Sheriff officers. But she was very empathetic to what was going on uh, with the black people in town. You could tell that if she wasn't married to Brad Dorf, that she would probably completely different life and mm-hmm. uh, not dealing with this kind of uh, macho racist bullshit which was going on in town. Who was that little kid from the sitcom? What sitcom? <laughs> Eddie. Uh, his name is Eddie, I think. Yeah, you gotta give me a Arcadian? sitcom. Arcadian? <laughs> no. He's in, the, he's in this movie. He's the one that that uh, saw the saw Brad Dorf and them and didn't want to talk about it. They were trying to get him. To oh, talk oh, about you're it's weird. That I know what you're talking about. It's Family Matters. Family Matters. Yeah, the kid from Family Matters, uh, and from uh, what was that other one? Yeah, I can't remember. <laughs> uh, but yeah, he was good in this. He was the one who who ended up having to talk. They put like a hood over his yeah, head. Yeah, drove just him to, through the streets to, to protect point out him. The not, yeah, not uh, yeah. They had like he had like holes in it or something. Yep. They had a bag on his head or no, something. No, a box. A box on it his head. A cardboard. Box. They didn't want people to know who he was yep. because they were like. Burning uh, down their house. They were like burning down his house and uh, the church. It was it was dark, man. There's some se- severely dark shit happening in this movie. Uh, Frankie Faison on it too. One of my favorite scenes though is where Gene Hackman finally loses it on Brad Dorf in oh. the uh, barbershop. Yeah, man, just fucking goes off on him, man. Nothing scarier than a straight razor. Yeah, especially well, with somebody well, that you really think is going to use it on you. Well, he had just beaten up. Francis McDormand, he yep. was kind of sweet on yep. Gene Hackman, yep. and so he wanted for blood, remember? Oh, yeah. And Willem Dafoe had to talk him out of it, because he was just going to go shoot him. Yeah, this was a great point in Willem Huge. Dafoe's life, too, because he was doing everything controversial. You know, he did yep. this, he did uh, Last Temptation of Christ, he did Platoon. I mean, he was kind of doing everything, and he, he looked completely different in this movie, too. You know, He, he had was very that, straight. He had that, was he a Mormon or something? Or uh, He was definitely very uh, Bible thumper, but I'm yeah. not sure what his religion was. But he was, was. like, super w- well-groomed. Yeah, I think he didn't like combed. swear words. He kept yeah. telling uh, Gene Hackman not to swear around him, which is interesting, because that's how Gene Hackman is in real life. He doesn't swear. 
apparently, and he has difficulty he doing it in swear. films. Yeah. Interesting. He's yeah. really good at he, it. Yeah. <laughs> he had such a hard time do, playing Popeye Doyle in French he, Connection that he had to go to... He had to go to William Perican and said, I just, I can't say these things. I can't, it's really hard for me. And he's like, you gotta act, man. There was a real Popeye Doyle. Yeah. And he cussed like a sailor, so... Well, that's what, he hated him. That's why he had a problem with him, because he was on the set. He played the boss in French Connection. And he's like, I hate this guy I'm playing. Now that I met him in real life, I hate him even more. <laughs> so it was like really use difficult. that inspiration. Yeah, right? <laughs> so yeah, fuck. I mean, it was it was a hard movie to watch because they did some really terrible things and it recounted a lot of terrible things that had happened. But I think it's important to understand. Oh, yeah. I think it's important, important for everybody movie. to understand the plight that that Absolutely. minorities had to go through to be just to be able to get. Yeah. And people don't treat voting like they used to, but people used to die trying to register to vote. And yeah. Now it's like people. This needs to be a mandatory movie in uh, certain colleges yeah. and uh, schools because it. Definitely exposed a whole bunch of shit that only happened like yeah. sixty. That was gonna seventy say, years ago, man. Slavery that was five fifty years, years ago, ago, something yeah. like that. It's like insane that uh, it's still once again relevant. All right, well, mine. <laughs> I'll take it up here a little bit. All right, la 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 uh, la 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 bamba. No, no, no. <laughs> leave the cue. No, uh, <laughs> we're gonna go in, and this is a period piece. This is back in the fifties too, and this is the amazing uh, 1983's Francis Ford Coppola's The Outsiders. Oh wow! Man. And this was movie it supposed to be in the fifties. Yeah. Yeah, the greasers and everything. Yeah, yeah. Stay gold pony and boy. Stay gold pony boy. <laughs> and this talk about. Famous actors. Oh yeah, oh, God. Everyone, every everyone. single one. <laughs> so we got Tom Cruise, Patrick Swayze, C. Thomas Howell, uh, Ralph Macchio. Uh, what's his name? Uh, Rob. You remember I had Rob this poster? Lowe. Remember I had this poster? Yeah. Was good. Did you? Yeah, that's uh, awesome. Like uh, Rob Lowe, who played Soda ago. Pop. It was uh, Milo Estevez. Mm-hmm. Matt and, Dillon. Uh, Matt Matt Dillon. Another Matt Dillon movie. You Diane already mentioned Lane. the Karate Patrick Kid. Swayze. You mentioned the Karate yeah, Kid Patrick, already. Patrick Swayze. Yep. Ralph yep. Macchio. Uh-huh. Uh, Leif Garrett yep. played the uh, Sosha, the bad uh, Sosha. Tom and Waits. Tom Waits was great in this movie too, man. It's just all-star cast. And this was written from a novel from like an 18-year-old girl who was just out of high school or just finishing high school, man. And it became huge. So it was a great property for Francis Ford Coppola because he was doing a lot of producing at the time too. And he produced and directed this. And it's such a simple movie. You know, it talked about two different kind of social classes in town. You've got the greasers and you got the socias is what they would call them and they were like the neat preppy yeah. kind of people that were in the fraternities and everything and Nerds. you got the other guys <laughs> <laughs> the blue collar workers who just kind of were kind of like greasy and were uh, into drinking and getting into little mini rumbles and everything but the socias were not strangers to getting into rumbles themselves but fighting so, was different back then. You, yeah. you get punched in the face, you might get hit, yeah, you might yeah. cut your arm. But you got Matt, uh, Patrick Swayze who's basically trying to raise his, his brothers yeah. and their yeah. friends are always at the house and everything. And you get to see them in their, uh, kind of their, their life the together. Kind of opens in that great scene in the uh, the the drive-in movie theater where you get to see everyone doing their thing and you get to see Diane Lane who is part of the is Leif Garrett's girlfriend but it's kind of sweet on C. Thomas Howell. Uh, a little bit, but this kind of all centers around one horrible thing that happens to C. Thomas Howell and Ralph Macchio when they're out late at night and they're hanging out at, uh, it's like a park. Me and mm-hmm. Dave had a similar uh, yeah. situation that was kind of sketchy like this. It didn't turn out, thankfully, as bad as this one. <laughs> uh, it could have. Maybe for Jeff. Yeah. Maybe Jeff, it definitely did. Uh, <laughs> but so what happens is 
the drunk socias just approach C. Thomas Howell and Ralph Macchio and they mouth off to him, probably should have realized how drunk they were and just kind of slow played it and got the hell out of there. But they started attacking C. Thomas Howell and they were drowning C. Thomas Howell in the fountain when uh, Ralph Macchio takes his uh, switchblade out and stabs and murders one of the socias right there on the playground. Yep. And they have to act quick. You know, they go to find Matt Dillon, and Matt Dillon plays that ultimate cool character in yeah. this thing who's kind of a little bit outside the group but is willing to help them right. come in. I know this place that I, you guys can go hide out. And uh, that's what he does. He sets them up in this uh, great kind of barn where they uh, have these great moments where they're making sandwiches and they're dyeing their hair together and they're kind of just holding out, living off the uh, off the land until right. it kind of dies down and Matt Dillon will come pick them up. Shortly after Matt Dillon picks them up, some other horrible thing happens to Ralph Macchio. I mean, great heroic, heroic uh, scene. Big fire, house fire, and, right? Damn, yeah. I want to say that fat guy. From Ernest is the guy at the church. I think Probably. I want to say that's the preacher at the church. Uh, He's turning up Gallard a lot. Sartain. Yeah, I think that's him, it dude. Is. That's so weird. Is that him? That's the I've seen him multiple times. Yeah, on I'm my pretty cast sure list. he's the one that said that kid's a hero. Yeah, you know because what happens is they are driving back into town and they uh, see a church on fire. Yeah, that's definitely him. Yeah. He's the he's the VIP. Dang, he's the he's the high yeah. score today. He, he gleamed the cube on this episode. <laughs> uh, so they come back uh, past this church, which is totally engulfed in flames. And before Matt Dillon knows what's going on, Ralph Macchio bolts out with um, C. Thomas Howell in tow. And Ralph Macchio, without thinking even anything for his own life, goes in there and immediately is pulling kids out, rescuing like four, five, six kids, throwing them out the window. Fortunately. The have beam, that last one. That beam breaks, <laughs> man, and that beam breaks and falls right on Ralph Macchio, and that yeah. it kind of goes into some difficult stuff where you see him in the hospital. And he's he's on his, he's like being suspended, kind yeah. of on his stomach, he's and uh, he's burnt like Ugh. worse than you could see. And he's he's still talking a little bit, and you can they're doing this great shot where they could you could see him. And they put like a mirror there so you could see the reflection of him, of the guys uh, visiting. I love Matt Dillon. Uh, See, Thomas Hall is like covered in soot and he's sitting outside in the hospital waiting room and Matt Dillon's being wheeled by past him in a gurney and says, you try something like that again, I'll kill you. Yeah. <laughs> and just uh, goes to the next room. But then shortly after, uh, Ralph Macchio dies and shit kind of... Um, what's, what's his, his name? Loses what's his name? Loses his shit. <laughs> the one, there's a great scene where they have the rumble. You know, it kind yep. of builds up to this whole thing. Mm -hmm. Matt Dillon can't be part of it because he's still in the uh, the hospital. Right. And uh, I love that scene, man. Checks when that rumble's up. about to start, and then you see Matt Dillon running down the street and yep. enters the park, and he says, "You gonna have a rumble without me? I don't think so." Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. And it just busts out to this huge, huge rumble, man. He but had it, that great end scene too. That I don't great know. end scene's really, really good, Dude man. For Johnny. I, well, I love. Uh, well, that was kind of no, leading up to that, but the scene where he was in the uh, kind of convenience store and he's he's going through the magazines and he starts ripping the magazines up and the clerk's like, you're going you're gonna to destroy those magazines, you're paying for it. Mm. And he takes a gun out and puts it right up to the guy's nose, man. And wow. you can tell, don't fuck with Matt Dillon at this point. And he busts out of the convenience store and the guy chases him and shoots at him, not realizing until Matt Dillon makes that phone call that Matt Dillon's been shot. You now, know, was the first time I ever realized that um, the theory of your adrenaline, yeah. like I was like, how can that? How could you not know you were shot? Yeah. Right? But then yeah. I found out. I I don't know who told me, but like, yeah, if you were in a a crazy, a lot of people don't realize they've been shot, man. I've hear yeah. that over and over again with people. 
I like I I like to think I'm in tune yeah. with my body enough to know. He certainly knew when he's he was got in a the big street. hole in it. I just right hope there. to never find out. Yeah. Well, it come down to that big scene where he's in the middle of the street and the cops are surrounding him, and then you get Pony Boy and all of them. I remember. Uh, I think it's Emilio who's screaming, "Don't shoot! He's just a kid." And yeah, it was such a great, great movie, man. Yeah. It just showed the coming of age. They used to play it in high school. They did. They That's played what, it. They played uh, it for you guys in, in high school, well, too? Well, in like eighth grade, we had to read the book, and then we watched the movie. Yeah. yeah. Was uh, the book good? I don't even think I oh, ever yeah. read the book. But, yeah. I mean, they're pretty much one in the same. Yeah, that's what I heard, like, that there was a very good kind it, of adaptation. It's very uh, much exactly the same, yeah. you know. Matt Dillon was huge at that time. Do you remember the movie Tex? I used yep. to love that movie, Tex, with him in it, man. It was really, really good. But yeah, that was so. Outsiders was eighty three, and Drugstore Cowboy was eighty nine. Yeah, yeah, I loved it. Really great movie. It certainly made so many people's careers, including Francis Ford Coppola, who had already been doing like Godfather and everything. But it just branched him out to something different. And Roadhouse. Patrick Swayze, man. I mean, think of all those big actors. I yeah, mean, dude. That's I don't. An, I don't think you could name a cast. That's like the Expendables that, cast. Yeah, you know what I mean. And, like, and, but before the any spender, of them were uh, any the Expendables, where they were already superstars. That's what I'm, yeah, yeah, you know. So I don't think you could possibly name a movie that so many celebrities came out as big as that. What's the one with Lucas did? Um, yeah, uh, American Graffiti. American Graffiti. American Graffiti certainly had some big ones there, but since Tom Cruise is part of the uh, of the Outsiders, That's along true. with all those people, man, yeah. because man, they just got huge. I mean, see, Thomas Howell had a uh, career in his own right, and um, certainly Ralph Macchio. I mean, he's got his own TV show now too. So, uh, but didn't turn out for well for Patrick Swayze. That was sad. Love Patrick Swayze. How he. What year did Patrick Swayze die? What year did we lose him? It was, it was after Donnie Darko. Seven so or eight after, years ago. Yeah, it'd have to have been like 2007, 2008, maybe. You're probably right. 2009. Man, he died too young, man. I loved Patrick Swayze, man. He was always great in The Outsiders. I always liked him as that older brother. That My favorite of... role with him was on Saturday Night Live with... Uh, oh, with Chris Farley? Chris Farley. Chris Farley. Uh, no, you're better than I am. Yeah. <laughs> Chip and Dale dancers. Yeah. Uh, September 14th, 2009. It's been 2009. 10 years almost. Yeah, yeah, that's crazy. That's insane, dude. You go home and watch him. I'll have a Patrick Swayze marathon, man. I always liked him. Nobody <laughs> puts baby in the corner. <laughs> They did, actually. Do. Yeah, they, they yeah. Pr- actually, sure actually they she's over in the yeah. corner. <laughs> so what you going to do now, bud? <laughs> <laughs> Jennifer, get out of the corner. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, so that's, that, that's it for this list, man. I had a couple that I wanted to mention that I didn't actually make the list, but we'll work them on the other things, like River's Edge was always a big one for me. Another one that I really wanted to talk about that I'll talk about, it was almost more of a, it had a lot of dramatic stuff in it, but there was also comedy. Was Lucas? Yeah. Remember Lucas? Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, with Corey Haim. Killing Fields. That Killing Fields was, was going to be on great Ryan, movie, man. Really, really good. Is Salvador '80s too? Salvador is an '80s yeah. one too. That was a great Oliver Stone. Well, we're going to be talking about. We're going to do an Oliver Stone pod soon, right, so we'll talk about it during that. How about you, Justin? Did you have any alternates? I had one alternate. I can't remember what the hell it was though. Mighty Ducks. Um, Boys in the Hood didn't make it. Mighty Ducks. No, it was <laughs> another. Uh, oh, you know what? That was from the list that was not '80s. Oh yes. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Was it Goodwill Hunting or was it Logan? Because those are the two I remember. I think it was uh, Draft Day. <laughs> oh, Draft Day. Yeah. Oh, the Kevin, uh, Kevin Costner, Kevin Costner yeah. one. Yeah, we'll have to do like a uh, 2000s yeah. one because that was actually better than I thought it would be. Oh, dude, that it was wasn't great. Is that Jennifer Gardner? Good? Yeah, Jennifer Gardner. It was good. Yeah, yeah it was good. But uh, We could do a whole like Moneyball or something I've Moneyball's to talk about. One. I never saw that one. That was good. Wow, and I also never one. saw the one um, with uh, Matt Damon about the soccer and... Oh, Invictus? Yeah, Invictus. Yeah, I never saw that. Was that, that rugby was really or good. soccer? Yeah, it was the one where uh, Might be rugby. Morgan Freeman played Nelson Mandela. Rugby, yeah, 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 you're yeah, right. Yeah, Morgan Freeman was playing Nelson Mandela. Could have been so that was a good one. No, you're right. 
Cool. Well, next week, next week we've got our character actresses pod to do, and it's a great one. We got a great list of uh, of ladies on there, and then the week after that, let me look what we got set for the week after that. I have my list right here, and then the week after that, and <laughs> the week after that. No, we're not giving that. <laughs> All right, here we no go. spoilers here. Oh, the week after that. So that's where we're. Uh, we've got our documentary uh, pod coming up, which I'm. I'm concerned for you, man. Uh, all right. <laughs> uh, have you? Do you watch a lot of documentaries? Or, I've seen uh, a few. Think I'm about sure you your. Think, think about your favorite Subject moments or in subject or subjects mm. and work backwards to the movie. I might do what I was talking about with that book report from when I was in sixth grade. Because <laughs> I mean, you won't know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's my favorite category. <laughs> documentaries is literally one of my favorite categories. Well, and I have a the list. Big problem is I have a list that's just as big as My favorite documentary so of all time is called Living on a Palm Tree Farm. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure there's a bunch that you've seen that you don't even, uh, you're not even thinking of. And we could easily, me and Dave, go pretty deep on it that we could let you uh, uh, pick whatever. Uh, and the problem is, is I like documentaries so much, I've talked a lot about yeah, I might. I know. I don't think I'll have a problem, but I've talked a lot about. Would you say you've seen a plethora? I have of seen. It. <laughs> That's not documentary. Are you trying to work in <laughs> three amigos? It's not yeah. documentary. <laughs> Shot the invisible sword. <laughs> all right, all right. So until next week. All right, all right. You, uh, if you want to get a hold of us, you can uh, leave us a comment or a like on SoundCloud or iTunes. You can also get a hold of us on uh, Facebook at uh, Fascinated with Films in our. Email address is fascinatingwithfilms at gmail.com. And, uh, yeah, I don't think I've got anything slated for next week movie-wise. So I'm going to watch some good ones. Nice. Not Nothing in the theater. It's so disappointing. It's like a month without good movies. So you I just, might have to go see Endgame again. Or You just bought or, like 500 movies. That's true. Dude. No, that way I'll be able to watch them. I'm talking in the theater, you know, which I still haven't seen Pet Cemetery. I might actually go oh, and yeah. see, uh, check out Pet Cemetery. I hear yeah. good things about it, so... Uh, if I get uh, good tips at work this week, if any of my clients are listening, uh, tip the shit out of me. Yeah, right. Yeah. Um, I'm gonna try and go see Endgame again. Yeah, I would like to see it again before it leaves the theater, and it's not gonna leave the theater anytime soon. No. that's for sure. But and uh, they're gonna milk that thing oh, for yeah, every penny. Oh yeah, <laughs> Robert Downey Jr. is like, I got a back end deal. Goddamn yeah. it, kick that thing in there <laughs> <Yeah>. Christmas. <laughs> oh man, it's gonna be good. <laughs> All right. Well, until next time, see ya. Peace. Bye. Teamwork sucks.